There's no show today. We're just going to dance to some music. People in the chat room are figuring out that it's Muse, but they don't know what it is. Can anyone name that tune? Pulling out, uh, pulling out your app like Shazam or whatever. Is that what it's called? That's not fair, right? No. No, no, they have to guess? Okay. Okay, Ed here in the chat room is complaining that uh, I said using technology is not fair. Huh. <laughs> but it, if you don't but know, you don't know. You don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. I'm just trying to see if people know. This is called, actually, you know what? I don't know if it's fair, not because of the technology issue, but because if someone asked me what's the name of that song, I don't know if I would have known off the top of my head. Would you have known the name no. of the song? No. Would you, you, you would have known the album that it's off of. No. Oh, well, I would have known that. I don't know them enough. Uh, it is Muse. They amuse me, but... <laughs> it is Muse, and it's from the album Black Holes and Revelations, which is what I would have known. The song is called Exopolitics, and I remember using that as agility walkthrough music, which is awesome. So what you do in agility, in dog agility, that sport, 
is they give you an obstacle course for the dog that you have never seen before in your life. The dog or the course? Uh, hopefully the dog you've seen, right? The dog you better have a good relationship with because the course you have never seen before. And your job is to guide that dog through the course while you're running along frantically beside flailing your arms and such. I mean, that's if you're me. Anyway, so Tubes, you... Tubes, jumps, so... You know. Yeah, yeah, tunnels and jumps and weepholes and all those kinds of things that the dogs have to do, seesaw, everything else. And what you do is you have a while often 10 minutes, sometimes more than that, to walk the course yourself. You can't bring the dog out there, but you walk the course and you plan out your little route. And it's always nice to have music with a beat to kind of get you in a flow so that you're kind of, you know, telling your body how you're going to move with the dog when you get the dog out there onto the course. And this is one of my favorite songs to kind of walk through for agility, kind of get you in the in the zone, so to speak. So, are we in the zone for the show? Uh, <laughs> I'm not feeling well. I know. This is part of the attempt to get you yeah. to feel a little bit better with some music with a beat. Did, gonna, it didn't work, to, huh? I mean, I'm going to try to muscle through. We'll see. Okay. Well, we will see if we can inspire you, because we know, as, told, as you I'm, are Bosch Foston, we are not going to indoctrinate you today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope to inspire you to feel better. Not today, at least. Not today, huh? Yeah. Anyway, welcome, everyone. I see a lot of people in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. We're looking forward to talking to you during the show. If you want to chime in on some of today's topics, first of all, go see what they are at DontLetItGo.com. And then you can call us at 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And continue to chime in over here in the chat room. And we'll get going here just in a minute or two. Hello. I would get a little bit of extra music there again. I'm going to have to figure out how to not get extra music at the end of my intro. You're listening to the May, is it May 23rd? Yes. Is the year going that quickly? May 23rd, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It's the show where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy, if you didn't know, that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm Amy Peacock, and here with me in the studio is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. I think we've got about half of cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. Is that right? Yep. He's feeling under the weather today. Just call me Ba. Ba? Okay, we'll call you Ba. That's an inside joke. That's an inside joke. We'll just call you Ba today. Ba. That should put a smile on your face, right? I still, uh, I still want to be here, though. 
That's good. Oh, I'm glad you want to be here. And as a matter of fact, we've got a bunch of people in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio who I guess want to be here as well. I just my screen went black and now it's back. I'm very excited about this. Rob Abiera says that the Oklahoma House voted to repeal Common Core today. That's very good news, and it's good news that we will be happy to take because today's title, if you went and checked out my title, and, you know, I've got the title that I put out. I try to have a title that has a unified theme for the show each week if I can do it. Sometimes, you know, you're kind of putting the square peg in the round hole if you try to do this. But today I happen to be inspired, pun intended, by the juxtaposition of a couple stories about education. And one of the stories is about a new startup, a new Silicon Valley area startup, that its whole purpose is to inspire grade school children, because apparently before the sixth grade is the time you got to do this. So you're inspiring young grade school children to love and learn about science. That's one story. The other story is about a White House official, Cass Sunstein, who, after considering the system of educational indoctrination in China, concluded that even here in the United States, we could do something like what they do. Namely, he says that we can, quote, in high schools, uh, probably have significant ability to move students toward what we consider a, quote, correct worldview, a correct view correct. on life, and a correct value system, just... end quote. And what do you think the value system is that they want to indoctrinate? Well, you know. Altruism, yes. for sure. Yeah. The you, idea you that, the, the, that the self is to be disregarded. Yeah. Otherism. And Otherism. Others. Others, the group. Put all this of them the above rat. you. This is the rat who had a book called Nudge, which is, which is a euphemism for government force. Right, right. And what is their main avenue for using all levels of school, not just high school, but every level of school, to, quote, move students, move, move students toward what move they consider them. a correct worldview, a correct not view on life, a correct value Not system. talk to them, not move them towards where they want them to be so they can control them easier. Right. Common Core is that vehicle. So, Rob, thanks for sharing the news here in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio that Common Core has been repealed I like in El- Oklahoma. I like what Elliot says, and thanks, Elliot. What does Elliot say here? Which... We'll do like a, a, a DJ down type thing. A DJ down. Maybe maybe I'll do my song, you do yours, and then we'll see. We'll, we'll see who likes what. Well, what I need to do is I need to go out and get you a cord that is like the right. one that hooks my magic computer into there. And we may have to do something like that pretty soon because I'm not sure exactly how I get Oh, I think, I think I've got a way to figure out some of the problems. You know, we have little glitches. Even I love this new audio setup, and I love being able to play whatever music I want out of my iTunes. It's awesome. Thanks again to donors who make it possible. But there's little challenges that I'm kind of figuring out. The other challenge is one that's been put up by Blog Talk Radio recently. Actually, there's two challenges I want to let the Blog Talk listeners know about. One, I know that people have been complaining about intrusive pop-up audio and video ads. Supposedly, Blog Talk knows about the problem, and they are trying to figure out a way to solve it. If an ad like that happens to you while you're listening to the show today, if you could just jot down some information about it, maybe take a screenshot, anything you can do, and then send that information to me. 
you can find an email address at which to do so. If you go to don'tletitgo.com and you hit the tab that says Amy, there's an address there you can use. Or you can send it through Facebook or whatever. But we need to give specific information about what ads do this. The other thing that I've heard through the grapevine, but I haven't tried it, is that there's something called a YouTube downloader. And that if you either disable it or get rid of it, I think you can disable it or something, that that will save you from these ads. And that's probably true not only on the Blog Talk website, but on other websites as well. I'm finding more and more different news websites that I go to when I'm doing research for the show. I'm getting these intrusive audio video ads. And I haven't even clicked on anything. I haven't put my mouse over anything. And suddenly something's blaring in my ear when I don't want it to. And it's really, really annoying. Also, one thing on our end, uh, when the chatters get knocked out, when the chat room gets closed prematurely. Right. And that is the other problem. And so my solution is, as long as I remember and I don't go on autopilot and end the episode, is that I'm going to, for you Blog Talk listeners, I'm going to end the episode in a formal way. I'll kind of say my goodbye. But then I'm going to hang on for a bit. Yeah. Um, So don't. Uh, we you know, always appreciate the follow-up comments. Yeah, always. we like to follow up. And Blog Talk has literally been kicking everybody yeah. out of the chat room at the end. And that's Sorry been going that. on for weeks. And it's another problem that people have complained about and that Blog Talk has not fixed yet. Apparently what they do is they shove you to another episode of hmm. the same person. Now, it's interesting because I was looking at my Blog Talk stats. And there were a lot of listens to old episodes. Right. And what I think it may be is not that all these people are going back to listen to old episodes, but that this well, new, I, I this new mechanism is bumping people out of the chat room and it's it's shoving them to some older episode that's to listen think, to. I think they're going there voluntarily to go I mean, there might episodes. be some of them. And I'm, I'm happy to have new listeners and I'm happy to have them check out the archives. This is awesome. But I think yeah. a lot of what's happening is that people are being shoved out. So anyway, we will try to hang around and have a little at least follow-up at the end and not abruptly kick everybody out of the chat room here at Blog Talk Radio. If you're listening on the archives, do come out and check out the live discussion because it is fun over here in the chat room. And also you can call in at 760-888-5817 during the live show hours and talk to us. So uh, Elliot says we're going to have to do a DJ show. Maybe we'll do a bonus show one evening and just do a bunch of music. That could be fun. And we'll truly just, I'll play something that I think is good. You play something that you think is good. And we'll just send it out there. And that'll be only here at Blog Talk Radio because yeah. I don't know the ASCAP status of we'll Liberty just, Express, we'll for example. We'll put it up as an episode yeah. of, you know, DJ episode or something like that. Excellent. That'll be fun. Thanks, Ali. I, I, I think it's a fun idea. Now, we're waiting for the news. Oh, Rob Abiera says that although the legislature in Oklahoma passed this repeal of Common Core in Oklahoma, there's a question of whether the governor of Oklahoma will sign it. Let us know if you find out any news about that during the show. Okay, Rob, that's great. And thanks, Rob, for all the stories that you send me via the Don't Let It Go well, on page on Facebook as well. And then say, well, we'll, we'll repeal you. And, and. <laughs> Get rid of him as well. Yeah. Get rid of him. Okay, so let's go ahead and start in on the stories that were the inspiration for today's show. Again, the, ins- the title of the show is Inspiration versus Indoctrination. And if you go to the program notes at my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you can see all the stories and things that we plan to discuss. Of course, the first thing you see under the program note, get an Audible free trial and support the show. As always, if you have not yet been an Audible customer, I urge you to check it out. You get to try it for free if you click that link and 
check it out. I know, you know, a lot of people who are listeners to my show are already Audible subscribers because right. they are people who like to educate themselves when they're yeah. on the road. They're already doing that, so it's a good stuff. Now, first, the good news. We're starting out with good news today. Of course, we started out with Rob's good news in the chat room. Mystery Science is a company, and the headline of the Pando Daily story about them is Mystery Science Tackles STEM Education Gap. S-T-E-M is an acronym for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics, I believe. If I got that right, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Let's go here. Science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Yay, pat myself on the back. Okay, so back to headline. Mystery science tackles STEM education gap at the source, putting curiosity back in elementary schools. Excellent. It says the U.S. is rapidly falling behind the rest of the world in the STEM areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's a worrying trend for a nation whose world-leading economy is built on innovation and entrepreneurship particularly in a time where technology is permeating every crevice of our lives. Our high school graduates now rank 30th globally in math, 30th, and 23rd in science. Wow. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. Canadian America. Less than one-third of U.S. bachelor degrees are now awarded to science graduates compared to 61% and 51% respectively in Japan and China. And in 2009, for the first time, more than 50% of U.S. parents, uh, excuse me, parents, patents, were awarded to non-U.S. companies. In the same year, just 29% of research papers were published by U.S. scientists, down from 40% in 1981. Mystery Science is a Bay Area startup committed to fixing the gap by reinventing the way we teach kids the sciences. And it was founded by former Facebook product manager Keith Schock, and LaPorte School Science Director Doug Peltz. And now the company has raised an undisclosed round of seed funding, and they're on their way. Mystery Science, I think it's mysteryscience.com is the URL. I went and checked it out earlier today. It says they're peeling back the curtain on the web-based education platform, inviting teachers and parents around the country to try the product for free. So you can go to mysteryscience.com. Sign up and get a free lesson to check out what they're talking about. Now, this is why I really like this. This is what their goal is. This is uh, Shaq talking about the goal of the company. He says, our ultimate goal is to increase the level of scientific innovation in America. But first, we'll start with disrupting education. Disrupting. I like that. In today's world of Common Core and government schools. Disrupting is what we need. He says, if you spend a 1,000 hours learning most skills, it's enough to make you a semi-expert. Yet kids leave our science classrooms knowing almost nothing. In many ways, science education has become mostly a vocabulary class. Then we expect them to make critical everyday decisions like, should you vaccinate your kids? That's a huge debate. If you're on Facebook and there's debates among parents, oh my gosh, the should you vaccinate your kids debate gets really heated. Should you eat foods treated with pesticides? How do you fix a faulty Internet connection? I know people who get very upset about such things, (laughs) like fixing a faulty Internet connection. Why doesn't the damn thing just work? What? Who? That damn guy. Mystery Science, they say, is focused on elementary and middle school students. 
the company aims to reintroduce the mystery, curiosity, and creative problem-solving to science class that's been lost amid all that vocabulary memorization. I watched a little video that they have about what they do, and what they'll do actually is start out each lesson with a short video, a two-minute video, that presents a really intriguing problem, something that's going to get kids excited to know the answer. And then they find the, they get the solution, the answer through a lesson, but they also have hands-on learning materials. So they are actually working with the scientific principles that are discussed in practice, in their hands. Giving the kids a chance to, you know, to take part in it because the kids love it, love this stuff. They do. They just don't, not respect it enough. Right. But right. they know that they would love these things. Well, and, and the reason you want to make it a mystery, in part, is because the way that all of this was discovered right. was because of a mystery. So this is Peltz. I'm quoting him right now, Doug Peltz. Every scientific fact they teach in schools started out as a mystery that someone noticed and was curious enough to explore. He says, to really teach science. You need to go back to the beginning and recreate the problem that led to the discovery so that you can build appreciation for why this stuff is cool. He says, we're in the process of cataloging every scientific conclusion taught in K through 8th grades and building lessons around the underlying mystery that inspired those discoveries. Talk Talk about filling a vacuum, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, what do you want to do? You want to get them intrigued, yep. get them involved. It's a mystery novel. They want to know the answer. So I think this has a tremendous potential, and I'm really excited about it. And to see, to see bored kids, I mean, I mean, the kids are not naturally bored. They're excited as hell about life. They no. want to figure everything out. So but why you, I give you a, said in school, when you were in school, you were bored. Yeah, I was bored, but I, I kept myself interested. You know, I kept my, I, I, I was reading, I was drawing, I was, you know, keeping myself when I was, uh, I mean, when you're young, though, you just, you're, you're, you're a sponge. Do you remember science classes? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I remember science and history and English, and I, I drew in everything except art. That's what, that's what I, yeah, I drew in every class besides art. <laughs> but, but what did you do in art class? Uh, I taught. I was an unpaid teacher. The teacher always came to me and asked me, well, can you draw this? Can you draw this? Can you help that student? And I said, Okay. I guess I felt honored, but at the same time, I was being—I was not being paid. So, so was, you have you have experience you have experience teaching art. Yeah, I, I guess I was pretty patient. If I think about it, I would have dismissed the whole thought right now. But so maybe you need to do what Mystery Science is doing for teaching art somehow. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you could teach art online have, to kids. I still have to learn though. I think art is something that would have to be taught in person. Yeah. I don't. know. I mean, they have online courses. Well, they oh, do. Yeah, and they show but you I'm, the steps, and they talk, and they, you know, they have live courses, they have video courses. Where have you learned the most? Myself. Through the direct books. I mean, on my own. At home. And I mean... But, Draw, but drawing, but referencing books, say? Oh, yeah. Re- referencing books. Okay, so you can reference life, online number, materials number as Life well. drawing classes. Okay. Which you can do. Well, life drawing which classes. Which you could do, right? you know, you could do online. I mean, you could definitely, like a live life drawing, sure, with lighting everything, you could do that. But, no doubt, but it's just better personally. But seeing the thing that you're drawing yeah. in 3D in yeah. person... Yeah, I there, don't know. There's a value to it. You're going to have to wait till the holograms come. The holograms start coming Which, out of the computers. <laughs> that's true. And so the only way that the exactly. holograms are going to start coming out of the computers so that you can have your online correspondence yes. art course is that these guys inspire the future innovators to create the hologram technology to come out of the computers for you. Yeah. Okay. So that's it starts true. here. Yeah. We're back to mystery science. Okay. Was that good? Yeah. But, but it's true. I, I, I never um, thought about it, but I was pretty patient. 
and I never would have thought that I would be as a, a, a teacher of any kind. Teaching anyone how to draw, it's, it's tough enough to learn how to draw and to still try to you know get better. But man, it's a process. That's and if, if you don't have the ability, it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, if you have the natural inclination, because some, I mean, some people just, you know, all kids draw. All kids draw. Some continue, and some have the desire to continue, and they also have the proficiency. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. I am definitely I, excited about this. And, you know what? And the and, guys sound excited, too. Right. Which is fantastic. Well, and I, I don't say, I mean, first of all, the guy Pelts loves science. I've known Pelts for a while. I was friends with him on Facebook a long time ago, and I had a weird tree in my backyard. Yeah. And I posted something to all my Facebook friends. I said, right. does anybody have any idea what this tree is? Right. And then he chimed in, and he did research, and he says, well, it could be this kind of... And it turns out we figured out what kind of tree it was. It was an old council fig tree. And I eventually ended up cutting it down because... Because we looked into it, and a lightning struck the night before... And it was a big hole. And it was no, huh? no, oh, sorry. no. Was, the reason I, I was just reading that. The, the reason I took it down is it, it basically was taking over my entire backyard, and it dropped this fruit that, first of all, wasn't edible by human beings, and the dogs were loving it. It was like a, a kind of a pest to me, actually. And so I went in and cut it down. I was feeling kind of guilty, especially <laughs> Doug went out and found it's you know it's this old over a hundred year old council fig tree and stuff. Turns out when it got cut down, I saw yeah. that the trunk, it was completely hollow inside. Yeah. And so it would have just been a matter of time. It could have been struck by lightning and it would have fallen down and damaged walls, houses, hurt people. Who knows what it would have done. So I guess it was the best thing. But I do kind of miss it was that called, old uh, tree. The, the, the willow tree. That's what it's called. Is it the willow tree? The other question that Doug answered for me tree, yeah. had to do with hail. We get hail right. in, in Southern California, and I was saying, well, how come some of the hail is clear right. and some of it is white? And we were having that discussion as well. I had a good time talking yeah, about a, a science with Willer, Doug. Willer tree instead of the willow tree? It was a willow tree. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> the pun, the punisher. That's right. We have a phone call. I'm taking it right now. Who's this? Hi, this is Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm great. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you, too. Thank you. So um, this science and engineering uh, education, that, that's pretty exciting to hear about, um, that, that they're starting up this new company. That's something that's pretty dear to my heart, being here in Silicon Valley um, and uh, as an engineer. I've, I've had my own firsthand experiences with as we probably all have, I would suspect, with just abysmally bad uh, math and science instruction in school, if you can call it that, and definitely not motivating in the way that it was presented or um, coherent in some ways in the way that it was taught. So this is really great news. Right, boring teachers, bored out of their minds, and they're going to teach us, and they're going to excite us. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I, I've yeah. always been a, I've always been a math geek myself. I don't know exactly how that happened, but I did have a family member who was teaching math in schools, and I ended up being given some math textbooks at a very young age. So that might have had something to do with it. But if you don't have any you know, person particularly giving you some hands-on training today. If you're just in government schools, I don't know how you're going to get inspired. You have to be very, very self-motivated 
the way that they're teaching it these days. And some of the math, I don't know if you've been looking at some of the kind of anecdotal examples of common core math problems that have been sent around the web, Debbie, but I find it literally incomprehensible why they are trying to teach, for instance, a multiplication problem the way that they are. Yeah, I've seen some of that stuff. I mean, I've got two engineering degrees, and when I see that stuff, I have to look at it for a while to figure out what the hell they're even doing. You know, and this is just something like addition or multiplication for, for elementary school kids. They're going to accomplish the exact opposite of what this new startup is trying to accomplish, which is just to completely baffle and turn off kids from math and science. I mean, this this stuff is just total garbage, and it needs to be gotten rid of. I just didn't think it could have been much worse than the way my science and math, quote unquote, education was before college. But this is this is way worse. It's right. I mean, and it's, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's probably as sinister the, as it seems. The I mean, um, it yeah, the the education I think that we got it was boring. Uh, you know, they would just kind of lay the information out there. It was sort of like a vocabulary class, as this article describes. Now it seems like they're almost trying to stifle them. I I don't understand it at all. Debbie, we've got about... I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. We've got about 40 seconds or so before we have to Zoom for a break. Anything before we go? No. They're trying to make... No, I mean for Debbie. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not feeling well, and you can tell. That's all right, boss. I hope you feel better. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, I think this is completely hostile, for one thing, to the crow, right? Because if you look at these these long sort of algorithms that they have for doing multiplication, it's just... Yeah. No, nobody can follow it at all. Nobody can follow it at all. Yeah. Well, thanks, Debbie. Feel free to chime in again when we go on to the next story, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Here we go. A little bit of music for the break. feeling boss okay yeah yeah <laughs> but you're making puns still so i think you're doing yeah, okay well, i'm yeah. on the show i always enjoy being on the show <laughs> you sound very subdued i'm sorry I'm trying to, you know. yeah okay okay i get it uh we are way behind we need daniel here in the chat room to keep us on track because i've gotten only through one story of course this is one of the two main stories, as I said, that inspired the title of today's show. If you want to see the ambitious agenda that we have, go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com and check out the program notes. Feel free also to call in like Debbie did, 760-888-5817. Just make sure if you do want to talk to us that you press 1 or whatever way, it is that Blog I, Talk tells when you. When I made that, that pun before, I said uh, Willer Tree. I know his name is Eddie Willers, but it Willow Willer just sounded more, that's all. That was definitely worth mentioning. 
It was a council fig tree. Yay. An old council fig tree. And the those council. Ki- those council figs. The dogs okay. wanted to eat them. Awesome, the and they were messy. I had to pick them up. And I said, okay, I guess I'm done. And then I didn't feel as guilty when I saw the tree was hollow. That's life. <laughs> Ed says, we're going to get further behind because he wants to call in on Common Core. We're not going to get that far behind, I don't think, Ed, if you call in about Common Core. Because we've got a few stories on Common Core. This is all part of the agenda for today. I would say my ambition is to finish the kind of Common Core stuff during this first hour. And then we'll talk about the other areas in which this kind of theme applies in the second hour. But I want to go where the discussion takes us, too. Yep. The whole point of this show is to have talk radio. Yep. And one of the things I will get to at the end, come hell or high water, is uh, the Politico article where they talk about five ways to rescue liberal talk radio. Because something that I thought about this morning is a reason why non-liberal talk radio succeeds. And liberal talk radio does not. And it has to do with this issue of inspiration versus indoctrination. I think that the reason conservative or, in effect, non-liberal talk radio does so well is something to do with this dichotomy of inspiration versus indoctrination. So I hope I've intrigued you a little bit. And, you know, if we're in a medium, it's always good to apply it to the, the medium that we're in as well. But it just happened to be something that I thought about this morning. So, yeah, we've got, now we've got to talk about cast Sunstein. There's nothing we can eat to make cast Sunstein more palatable, right? Ass Sunstein. (laughs) You've got puns for us that are ready, which is nice. I'm glad, I'm glad that you've got those, but we need some sort of assistance, I'm afraid, to, to palate this. But let's go ahead and we're going to do our little bumper music and we'll be back after the break. Okay, we are back. Amy Peacock here. I've got cartoonist Bosch Foston here in the studio, and we are talking about today's theme of inspiration versus indoctrination. And inspiration is a great example, mystery science, where they are going to inspire kids to love and to learn about science. Why? But why presenting the reality of the development of science, which is that Somebody was presented in reality with a mystery and was curious enough to figure out what the solution was to the mystery. That's how this scientific doctrine was developed. And if you can follow the method by which it was discovered in the first place, and of course present it well to kids because not every single child is going to be naturally intrigued by a mystery as the particular person who originally discovered it. If the teacher is passionate, that is so important well and make it easy for the teachers to do the lessons too apparently one of the selling points of it is that the teachers also have these ready-to-go lessons it's easy for them if they get stumped by a question by a student they can ask Doug Peltz to answer the question 
Right. So th- they've got a lot of support in presenting the lessons. They can have the confidence. They can themselves be enthusiastic. I think it's a complete win-win to use that old mm-hmm. overused phrase. So let's let's talk about the opposite. Cass Sunstein. I got this story. Actually, you sent, sent me the story, Bosch? I believe maybe. Maybe not. I think you did. Cass Sunstein. Chinese student indoctrination study may be a, quote, opportunity for America. And... The story that I'm reading is actually from a website called ProgressivesToday.com. You can find it linked at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. But if you go into the story, you'll see that there is a Bloomberg column that Sunstein wrote. And the title of it, disgusting title, the title is Open Brain Insert Ideology. This is just like a mad scientist here. And he's going on about there was a study of what they're doing in China and how they indoctrinate the students here in China. And it says, says, starting in 2001, China decided to engage, this is Sunstein's writing, starting in 2001, China decided to engage in a nationwide reform of its curriculum, including significant changes in the textbooks used by students. He said the the Chinese government, right? That's what he said. The Chinese government. Right. The government schools decided to make it more controlled. They have a ministry of education in China. Ministry. Awesome. And ministry is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10, 11, and 12. They stated that education should, quote, form in students a correct worldview, a correct view on life, and a correct value system. Does he explain what that quote-unquote correct view? He's talking about political correctness. He's talking about, I mean, just, I know what he's talking about, but does does he get explicit about what that view exactly is? Not that I've seen here at all. No, he can't. Um, but in you know China, of course, we can imagine what they think their correct worldview is and the correct value system, et cetera. And so what Sunstein then is tries to take this lesson that's from the education system in communist China yes. that is trying to form in students the correct view according to the government, and he wants to apply that to, to the United States. This is semi-free United States. And this is again from, from Sunstein. He says, as Cantoni and his co-authors summarize their various findings, they say that the state can infect, effectively indoctrinate students. He says, to be sure, families and friends matter, as do economic incentives. But if an authoritarian government is determined to move students in major ways, it may well be able to do so. And then he basically comes back and he says, well, we wouldn't want to do that here because, of course, we aren't China, but yes. but we can do something. This is what his, he said. His whole article is to not say what he actually means. It's to, you know what I mean? He wants to bring in their inserts, you know, open brain insert, but he can't be as explicit as he'd like to be. Well, and I, th- I think part of his thing is, well, you know, they're instilling the wrong view, but we'll do it the good way because we'll <laughs> use it to instill the right view. Yeah. That's his and idea. And we'll Americanize it. We'll make it seem American, right? I don't know what that means, but, you know, I think American means something, right? Here's Sunstein. He says, is this conclusion limited to authoritarian nations? He says, in a democratic country with a flourishing civil society, a high degree of pluralism and ample, ample room for disagreement and dissent like the U.S., it may well be harder to use the curriculum to change the political views of, of young people. But even in such societies, high schools probably have a significant ability to move students toward what they consider that what they consider a correct worldview, a correct view on life, but, et cetera. But through this yeah. educational program, he will make us more susceptible to turning into that kind of state, which is what he really wants. It's like a you know what I mean? it's a whole circle here. Oh, of course. 
Of course. And he says that's an opportunity to be sure, but it's also a warning. Now, I think this is part of their idea also about the common core because they say, hmm, we can't have the local schools or the local parents or whoever it is that's currently influencing the curriculum in the high schools. We can't have them doing it. So instead, what we have to do is we have to, as a nation, have unified ideas. we got to make sure that the right ideas are there. The correct ideas. The correct ideas. What a word to use. So basically, the they're correct. saying, they're saying, you know, it's education as indoctrination. And he's basically saying, well, probably right now, maybe in Texas, you know, those evil people okay. in Texas. Again, I don't know. I'm, I get disappointed sometimes about Texas. You have an idea about Texas as some sort overall, of libertarian live, outpost overall, or they, something. They live up to, to, to that term still uh, more so than the, the United States, rugged individualism. And that's why they're going after him. Right, right. And so, you, you know, probably someone like Sunstein, and this is why, like you said, um, Eric Holder is going after Texas with the voter ID stuff and everything. They want to they, turn Texas. They take Texas. Yeah. It is over. Yeah. It is. So someone like Sunstein says, oh, well, in places like Texas and other places where they just don't toe the line the way they're supposed to, probably it's the local school districts and the parents and the teachers themselves who are moving the kids towards a certain direction. And so what we have to do is we have to have this thing called the Common Core. We have to present it in such a way that it sounds intellectually superior to anything that's been done before, that we're basically raising the standards that these students are going to come out and be ready to excel in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. What's the title of his piece? Yeah. No, what is it? Open brain insert ideology. And he's saying basically this this is possible. <laughs> and it. I think his implication is going to be, whoa, you know, we want to have control over how yes. this process is going. Meaning control over the minds of Americans from from their from their when they're five and on. And what's what's the primary way to do that right now? It is Common Core. Let's go ahead and talk to I think this is going to be Ed on Common Core. Is this Ed? This is Ed. Is this uh, Hi. the dude? And, and oh, oh, the dude. <laughs> would you like to talk about Common Core, Ed? I would. I would. I'd love to talk about Common Core. In fact, I'd like to talk about education in general. Uh, what you just said about Cass Sunstein is kind of weird because that is the exact rationale for public education in the first place in the 19th century. Um, that that was it, 100%, is to create... Now just, just remember, good... just remember, Ed, on this show, public education is not the correct terminology. We need government, government, schools. Government, government schools. Government schools. Government schools. Government schools. Government schools. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm being indoctrinated. Okay, so what was I saying? Yes, schools, common core, crazy. Did you read that article about the math teacher? That was really interesting. It was in your show notes about the fifth grade math teacher. And uh, I wanted to... I wanted to uh, say two things about the math curriculum. Uh, One was an insight of my wife, who was a teacher for a while. Um, And that is that in math, anything less than mastery of a given level is a real problem down the road. Now, in other words, if you get get an A in fifth grade math, you know, that's great. But if you get a C in fifth grade math, it might not show up in sixth grade. It might not even right. show up in seventh grade. 
But in eighth grade, you're kind of screwed. You know, you know what I mean? You have to right. actually have a mastery in the subject because unlike every other subject, I mean, you, could, you can learn about the American Revolution in one class and not do terribly well, but you could do well in the Civil War. And it, it really, you know, I mean, there's, you know, it's not, it, it, history does build, but it's not exactly specifically building like math. And so, um, so a lot of math class time is taking up it with remedial, you know, review, right? Because you can't not have it, right? Even with the summer vacation, you can't forget what you've done. Right. And what they've done with the Common Core, of course, is they've stretched everything out. So it takes much, much longer to get anywhere and you don't get anywhere. And, of course, they have all these tests tests with which ask these nonsensical questions and the the essence of the nonsensical question is the same thing they they sort of did in the in the 60s and 70s when when i was in school um and that is they put the really abstract conceptual stuff first before the more concrete stuff mm-hmm. so you don't you don't learn to subtract I mean, the number line, for instance, which is one of the stupid addition or subtraction problems, you know, use the number line to subtract. Well, yeah, but the number line is a thing from pre-algebra. That's a thing from, you need to have a lot of facility with numbers before you get that maybe in sixth grade, maybe in seventh grade, something like that. To teach it to second graders is like, I don't get what, the, what number line I get, and then that's the method, you know. So they're teaching the abstract for um, the concrete and that right. I mean the the, the, the number line. The number line is a tool, right? So I mean, with kids, you're going to start with okay. objects in the world that you count. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. And you do right. lots of, and then you you move up from the level of blocks to the level of of numbers on a page, and you have to do a lot of drill and a lot of memorization to get like addition and subtraction, you know, flashcards. Were you, did you use flashcards? You're only a little younger than I am. I'm sure you used flashcards when you were in math. Um, I, I, I think I did. I don't know. I was such a math whiz that I don't even remember how I did a lot of the early math. I, I do so know what, that at a, at a certain point my math whizness kind of petered out on me, and that was in college with certain levels of calculus started to get me. Uh, but before that I was uh, – I was I think I think trig may yeah. have given me a little bit of problem too. Everybody runs into a math wall. Uh, I ran into mine uh, in my second year of graduate school, uh, but uh, you know professional mathematicians do. But but pretty much everybody else does. And the the problem again is is because you didn't master something previously. You know probably and, trig. And that's the probably trig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, potentially. Now, in science, I, I don't know anything about the mystery uh, science. I find science very, very difficult to, to think about in, uh, in high school, I mean, I, I, and, and even before high school. I mean, most of what is taught, from what I can tell from the neighbor's children, are, is environmental propaganda masquerading in science. Um, you know, you can teach some biology, and I had a good biology course that prepared me for college biology. You can teach some chemistry, but the, you, you can't really teach physics in high school. You have to, uh, unless you have calculus, either coincidentally or, or before. Now, the and funny so, thing is, is order... that I had, I had physics in high school, and I remember the instructor being very good, very inspiring, and having a lot of in-class demonstrations and experiments. 
Exactly. The in-class demonstrations and experiments, which, which do absolutely nothing. It was a complete revelation to me when I went to college, because I, I have a Ph.D. in physics, right? So uh-huh. I went to college and, and got into the physics class, you know, my freshman year, and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually interesting. And the funny thing is I kind of, you know, we had a terrible, terrible physics program. Um, and we, we all knew it was terrible, too. Uh, and we were the accelerated class. And but, but I still went into college for a physics degree because I kind of liked the idea, if not the schooling, you know. And it was, you know, got in that first classroom and it's like, wow, this is actually cool. This makes sense. This is not a long like high school. I'm just really, really shocked. Um, I kid around with my uh, with my friends that if you were to improve math education in the lower grades in the United States, what you should do is throw away all the American textbooks and replace them all with the Korean textbooks untranslated. Because, <laughs> untranslated? <laughs> untranslated, because it's the words that screw everybody up. You know, you look at the equations, right. you learn from them. Just throw out all the words that are written by all of these education professors that are just going to confuse you and, and focus on the problems. Um, now, now maybe when I'm you're, going ta- a you, when you're talking there, about but. Korean, are you talking about the Korean textbooks that they use in the Hagwons or in the government schools? It doesn't matter. Um, one would assume that uh, yes. I've obviously uh, we've we've heard that how the Hagwons are much better than the uh, Korean government schools. Um, I don't actually I haven't actually seen a Korean textbook, of course, but I've worked with a lot of students both in undergrad and graduate school now I'm old as dirt now but back then from Korea and man they knew math my god did those kids know math and uh, you know whatever they're doing better than what we're doing um, and so uh, I, I, I don't I don't I, I don't know if only. they just um, I don't know if they just got on the bandwagon of private companies you know, as a supplement to the government schools that they realized that the government school was ineffective sooner. Maybe that's what happened there. Because if you remember, and I have the story in the links for today's show, if, again, if people go to the program notes, don't let it go.com, you'll see all the links for today's show. I have a reprise of that Wall Street Journal story that we talked about last year. It was from August of 2013. And it was about the Hagwon system in Korea. And that the people knew, they said, the government schools are no good. And so the only way to actually learn is to go to these hagwons. And it, it was terrible, as we discussed, because they sat in classes. These students sit in classes all day long and learn nothing. And then they have to spend hours at the hagwon and doing their homework and everything else in order to actually learn something. And there was a person I've forgotten, maybe it was you or someone who said, who uh, written a book about what he learned basically in the third world, mostly Africa and India, where they do the same sort of things. That is, there's the private, there's free government schools that do nothing, and then there's these private instructors, which are really good and teach the kids what they need to know, reading and, and English and arithmetic and whatnot, and uh, are really good, and they're actually relatively affordable. And um, because, obviously, if your kid, if you're paying your hard-earned money, to teach your kid and the school isn't doing it, you just take them out and find a teacher who can't teach them, right? And exactly. uh, the, the, it, this whole thing in the third world is, is, is really beyond the United States. I mean, because our private schools are so very expensive. Um, even, the, even the inexpensive ones are very, very expensive. 
Uh, well, that, that, that may change as people start to get a more free market model of education, which is, again, one of the things that we've talked about repeatedly on this show, that government schools should be abolished entirely. You know, when you go and you read this article that you were mentioning, the, the Blaze article, where they interview the fifth grade teacher who was in the room when Common Core was created, one of the questions that was asked by the Blaze interviewer was something about, you know, how did you realize that it wasn't really a state-led thing after all, it was government-led. And everyone thinks, oh, well, if you just give education back to the states, that that's going to solve everything. But the states also should not be controlling education. It should be us, the individuals, spending our own money deciding how to educate our kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to stop now with one last comment, and that's what you're going to get to in the next hour, um, and that is why uh, uh, liberal talk radio doesn't do as well as conservative. I figure I might as well get the comment in now. Um, you're going to steal my thunder. Here he goes. Here he goes. He's going to steal my thunder. Here he and, goes. Here he goes. And, okay, go ahead. <laughs> an interesting talk on being a radio host uh, back in the day when he was a radio host, and a pretty good one too. Um, and... Uh, one of the things that he said, I don't know whether it was main thesis, but one of the things he said is that um, radio being all words is a purely conceptual medium, whereas television is both a perceptual and a conceptual medium. And so um, the perceptualness of the TV goes towards one's emotions and in some ways dominates the very little bit of conceptual information that gets uh, put through. But the radio is all concepts and it goes to all conceptual information and therefore right. if you've got the arguments talk radio is much better than television to get out your to get out a real reasoned argument it's more uh, amenable to reason i think that was kind of his his view and i, I, I think that's probably right I think that's definitely true. And then uh, you didn't steal my thunder because I still have something to add even to that. So you'll have to hang on oh, for the next hour and see well, what it is. Yeah, I have to hang on. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take off now. Have a good day. I was, I was really – thanks, very, thanks for that's calling, Ed. And you have a great weekend as well. I was thinking that he was going to remind me of something that Leonard said about talk radio that was exactly the point that I had in my mind and probably if it was in my mind it was in my mind because I remembered it right. in my subconscious from what Leonard Peikoff said you know years ago I worked as a research assistant on Leonard Peikoff's radio show which was called philosophy who needs it and I actually still have a mug from right. have a couple oh, yeah. shirts and stuff lying around from that show and everything and at the time I don't know if you everyone remembers but a doctor had told Leonard that he couldn't do a three-hour-a-day, five-day-a-week show, which had been his ambition. If he was going to do talk radio, he was going to do three hours a day, five days a week, and try to compete with the Rush Limbaugh's of the world. And he decided that physically he was not capable of doing the show that many hours in the way that he did the show. You know, he prepared. He prepared a lot. He prepared more than I do now for this show, I think. And... I mean, it showed. It was, it was super excellent. He had the tie-in contests and right. everything else. And at the time, it was, well, who's going to take over and try to fill in for at least a certain period of time? And I, I kind of, of course, wanted to. I've been interested in doing this for a long time, but I did not feel competent to really put myself out there and say, yes, I'm the one. You should let me do it. And I'm still glad I didn't. 
Because I think if I had tried to host at that point, I would have been worse than I was when I started this show. And I think we are doing so much better now than we were even then. So I, I it, it would have been fun though. And so I'm just saying that it's it's a medium that I've been interested in for a long time. But I anyway, tune, stay tuned till the next hour until this. Let's let's talk about this Common Core article though, huh? Just one little break. Sure, myself. sure. Um, I had a little piece of chocolate. And I didn't want to say, but Chris Christie, a.k.a. Eater Eating. Mm-hmm. So I had to mention it. Mm-hmm. And one thing also, um, read this title of the story. Chris Christie running against wonderful friend Jeb Bush would be stressful. Now, I refer to Jeb Bush because when Christie's... Uh, I have a piece of chocolate here. I have to eat it now. Basically, when his wishes, when his hopes for, for running president were really knocked down a peg because of his scandal. Mm. I, I said the other fat guy, 2016, which is Jeb Bush. And I think he, I think he's really stressful because he knows that it'll be a major food fight, and he doesn't like throwing away food, especially mm. at his friend, because mm-hmm. then he mm-hmm. right, catches it in his mouth. You know what I mean? Mm. Anyway, that's all. That's my contribution there. Thanks for the chocolate. Okay. Thank you. That was very that's, nice. Um, it was oh, well, much it needed. Mostly, it was much needed too. My my stomach yeah. was very empty here. So let's. Mine was also. Let's talk a little bit about this interview, and um, this is McQueen, a, a guy named McQueen, who was a teacher. In school, fifth grade teacher from Arizona, Brad McQueen, and he was actually in on the ground floor of helping to create it. And then I guess he started to learn what it was really about and got horrified, decided to come out and be part of this. He's actually writing his own book. He's publishing his own book about it. I don't know if you noticed, I think Glenn Beck is publishing a book against Common Core. That's He's what been, I understand. He's uh, been having a lot of stories on Comic Core, and also Breitbart. There's a particular lady at Breitbart who writes uh, very well against it. This book by uh, McQueen is called Conform, Exposing the Truth About Common Core and Public Education. Perfect. Conform. Uh-huh. Talk about indoctrination. One of the things that he mentions in here is something that I observed when I was trying to read some of the Common Core standards that were published right. on the Common Core website, and it is that what they do is they make the standards and the explanation for the standards unintelligible. Yes. It is filled with what Leonard Peikoff used to call prestige jargon. And you have to get a PhD in education to to even know what this terminology is. The purpose is to make you feel dumb. Right. And And you're supposed to feel inadequate. And those in charge want them to feel dumb. The others feel dumb. So they, oh, you know what? We'll take care of things. Right. We're smart enough. You guys, you don't get it. Right. See, prove it. It tests. Prove it. This is uh, from McQueen. He says, the Common Core is much bigger than just a set of standards, a test, or a data-gathering machine. Like a virus, the Common Core tricks its victims into lowering their guard by pretending to be something that it's not. But the Common Core isn't just a mindless infection of our society. Rather, it is an intentional takeover of our education delivery system and therefore a takeover of our children's minds. It's a one-size-fits-all, homogenized, centrally controlled education delivery system steeped in progressive ideology. Yes, indoctrination. He says it's antithetical to everything that makes our country exceptional. This cult is relentlessly pulling our children under its control with a seemingly endless supply of money and uses intimidation to silence its opponents. Distressingly, we've got Bill Gates contributing and supporting the Common Core. I mean, this is truly... Truly horrific. Now, you were pointing to something over here in the chat room. Um, Rob uh, put updates on the OK Common Core repeal. Read it. 
An update on the Common Core repeal is no, here. Oh, yeah. It says the bill is now in the state Senate. They're going to have to vote on it before it gets to the governor. So it was the House, and then it's got to go to the Senate. So we'll definitely be following that story. Kudos to the House in Oklahoma for getting the Common Core out of their lives. Anything before the break, Bosch? Uh, I had a falling out with my great friend at Marvel, uh, Tom Brevoort, the uh, senior vice president of publishing. He called me a Nazi and blocked me after okay. I questioned him uh, promoting Islam. We'll, uh, we'll have to talk about that yeah. after the break. Okay, the, uh, the NSA is right now watching me dance and Bosch hide behind the microphone. That's what the NSA is doing right now. <laughs> did you dance to this song before, Bosch? Come on, you did. I don't Admit think so. it. You never danced to this song? I really don't. This is actually a quite good dance song, Sweet Child of Mine, by Guns N' Roses, but it didn't work. It didn't have the intended effect of getting you dancing. So why? Why is that? So I talked about this um, idiot. Oh yeah, let's this stupid idiot and Marvel. Let's talk about. He's Bosch the uh, vice Tom president, uh, the senior vice president of publishing, Tom Brevort, whatever, how how you pronounce the name. We've been going back and forth for the last couple of months. Uh, Marvel, if you know, if you remember, has been promoting uh, a Muslim superhero, Kamala Khan is her name. She's taken, she adopted the name of Miss Marvel, and she has yet to fight a supervillain. By the way, it's a third issue in. Has yet to. Um, Deal with you know we'll never deal with with jihad with jihadists. We'll never go try to rescue the girls who are kidnapped by Boko Haram or Haram. Um, so basically, it's 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 promoting Islam without promoting Islam. You know, but basically they're promoting Islam. Al Qaeda is promoting Islam. Saudi Arabia is promoting Islam. Iran, meaning it's Islam all the time. And uh, I've been calling them out in you know very direct ways. And he finally. Uh, uh, called me a Nazi. Well, he called me a Nazi, I think, half a dozen times and blocked me. And, of course, I had to, you know, let him know, as, as Ed points out in our chat room, that uh, the Nazis were in bed with Muslims in World War II. Uh, there was um, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, which is uh, Arafat's uncle, went to Germany with his gang, and they tried to expedite the Holocaust, as I mentioned before. And it's like, you lazy Germans, come on, you got the tools, you know, kill them all. So this is what we're dealing with, and uh, it's just it's it's a it's a sad thing because Marvel Comics is uh, I've always dreamed of working for them. I'll mention it again and again, but I've always dreamed of working for them on those on those characters. But they have uh, superpowers in charge of the characters, so. I just I found it insanely ironic for him to call you yeah. a Nazi when that. And now I, you've told me I think that just today more people are starting to get in on the discussion. They are. And it could be because CNN is now starting to cover yeah. the story they of are. the woman in Sudan. Think I posted about, about that too. And, you know, people are saying, hey, uh, hey, uh, Tom, you know, called by his first name, in, in a dismissive way, what's Miss Marvel going to do about this? What's Miss Marvel going to do about that? This guy cannot avoid reality. 
He can't. Not on Twitter, not on the news, everything. So he knows every time he sees something that the enemy's doing, he's reminded that you're promoting their ideology. Mm-hmm. I, no matter how what he thinks he's doing, he's promoting the ideology of Osama bin Laden. Right. doesn't matter if he knows a nice Muslim. That's what he's promoting. And as I put it uh, in the old days, just, just to, to hit the point home, quote-unquote extremist Muslims Quran says, kill the infidels where we find them. The quote-unquote moderate Muslims Quran says, kill the infidels where we find them. You know, just because the moderate, quote-unquote moderate Muslim, you know, ignores those words doesn't mean that, that they don't exist. You know, the quote-unquote extremist Muslim is going to act on them. That's the only difference. And if, if you want to credit anything, credit the Muslim who doesn't act on it. Not, not Islam, not the Quran. Right. This imbecile. And, and credit whatever the reason is that he doesn't act Absolutely on it. Right. Because there is some other ideology. The person is compartmentalized in yes, some way. They are. They've got their little Muslim compartment, whatever's in yep. there, and then they've got their either American or They're human or beings European first, or, then they're Muslims yeah. second. Right. But they're human beings first. And that's what the vast majority of Muslims across the world, especially those outside of the Middle East. And uh, this imbecile is promoting the ideology that is at war with the civilized world. You know, you know, using a powerful medium to, to do that, call books. And there's also a rumor right now that uh, there might be a movie, an actual movie based on this character that Marvel might produce. Someone just uh, reported that in, in, in a British uh, website. I mean, think about that. You know, third issue win. It took these characters 50 years after they were created to have these movies. Now this one, after three issues of not fighting any villains to have their own movie. Embarrassing. What do you think the chances are that the Common Core is going to suggest Ms. Marvel of course. as a potential 100%. in the curriculum? Well, 100%. Like, oh, it's, yes. it's just, just an example of yes. something that teaches. This is something we've talked about before. Suppose the Common Core issues a list and they say, well, you know, you don't have to use this list of materials. You don't have to use anything on this list. But these are just suggestions of things like we have in mind that have the certain characteristics that we're talking about. First of all, the characteristics that they say that certain reading materials have, they list the characteristics in unintelligible jargon such that the reader, the teacher who's trying to figure out what the hell they're supposed to teach, can't understand what characteristics it is that they're supposed to be looking for in alternative materials. With the end right. game being, I don't understand things, right. so therefore the guys so the, so in charge, they right. understand. And, just, well, let's just listen. And, and so what are you going to do? You're going to follow the leaders. The, follow the list. That follow means, the list. Follow yeah, the that's list. That's it. Yeah. And fo- and follow, follow the leaders. Right. That's it. That's what they, they're being taught. The whole gist is follow the leaders, and we're the leaders, so shut it. Okay, we're going to go into the second hour here. Hang on, everybody.
Hi, you're listening to the second hour of the May 23rd, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. I'm Amy Peacock. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. And we have been talking about inspiration versus indoctrination, mostly so far in education. But this hour, we're going to start getting into talking about it in different areas. If you would like to talk about inspiration versus indoctrination in all the various areas that we have listed at don'tletitgo.com, do call us. 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. Or chime in in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. Ed Powell, it looks like he has posted a new math video that will probably hurt my brain if I try to watch it right now. So I might check it out later in our little post-show segment. This book will be part of Common Core. This book is part of Common Core? P.J. O'Rourke? No. No? Okay. (laughs) It's called Parliament of Whores. A lone humorist attempts to explain the entire U.S. government. That should be the, the core of Common Core, Parliament of Whores. I bet you that some of the administrators in Common Core don't even understand the stuff that's written in the standards themselves. They just no pretend doubt. like they do. No doubt and you know, the point that I was making there before the break was this issue of if you don't understand what is in the standards, what the standards are describing that you're supposed to be teaching at certain levels, then if the standard says, we're aiming for A, B, C, and D, here's some examples of readings that satisfy A, B, C, and D. But you don't have to read the, you know, we're not telling you you have to use these. We're just telling you we have to, you have to use some readings that teach A, B, C, and D. And these readings happen to do that. What they do is they put the A, B, C, and D in unintelligible prestige jargon, and they count on the fact that the teacher is going to be cowed into submission, feel unworthy and inadequate, or lazy, maybe just lazy. But the you know they got them whether they're earnest or whether they're lazy. If they're earnest, they've probably you know killed their brain when their brain is trying to understand the jargon and the standards. And the teacher gives up and says, "Oh well, maybe just for this year." I'll use the ones that are in the list, some of the ones that are in the list. What happens next year? Well, they're familiar with the ones in the list, and then they say, well, I still can't understand this garbage. It's the point to get it in. That's the whole point. Shove it in in there, and then just go dorm by later. And that's what McQueen says in this interview with The Blaze, is that it is about indoctrination of progressive ideas. It's also to make you question your own mind, you know. Right. Make, you un- make you unreliable on your own mind. And again, to make you, sus- make you susceptible to those in charge. McQueen apparently refers to all of the different groups that are pushing the Common Core as the cult of the Common Core, the Common Core machine, the Common Core beast. I guess Leviathan could be put in there, right? Uh, he self-published the book, so that's kind of cool as well since I'm looking at the self-publishing route myself. But, you know, the whole idea is that he is speaking out as someone who was involved with Common Core on the ground floor and giving you a window inside of it. The whole thing, and he, and he says in this like article, a whistleblower. Let, me, let me see if I, I mean, can like find, this is a very long interview, but I know that there was a part of it where he's talking about uh, that the purpose is to confuse the standard. Um, he says a learning standard is not rigorous on its own. A learning standard merely states what a student must know at minimum at a grade level. The teacher can make it more rigorous by having the student extend their understanding, etc. Um, but one thing that he talks about in here with the standards is that 
the standards are intentionally written to obfuscate. Yep. Uh, as I said, one of the questions that's asked by the Blaze is, why is the political and educational establishment so wrong when they say that Common Core is state-led? And he says it's not state-led. Um, uh, he, he says, during the Great Recession, cash-strapped states were coerced by the federal government into changing their education policies in exchange for a chance to even apply for the $4.3 billion in Stimulus Act money. That's how they got their claws in to the states, but the states were already controlling education. All that the federal government had to do then when, with the states controlling the education is to bribe them into ceding their control over to the federal government, and that's what they have done. Uh, at that point, the states signed over their control that they had taken over education. They had signed it over without even seeing the standards. The standards were not yet written at that point. So this is horrible. Um, has he become a pariah? He says, yes, he has, et cetera. But I know that there is a part of this story where he talks about the fact that the standards were written deliberately to confuse and obfuscate. It, you know, it's obvious, but to hear this guy say it, it's just it's a confirmation, which is great. And again, he's a whistleblower. That's what his book's about. And he's not being celebrated like you know some whistleblowers are. They, they always choose their whistleblowers who are heroes, you know, for, for against things that they like or don't like. We have a caller here. We're going to go ahead and take it and see if we've got someone who wants to talk about the Common Core. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Debbie calling back. Hi, hey, Debbie. Debbie. How are you? Good. Um, you know, something occurred to me about this Common Core, and I think that it confirms what your your uh, interview interviewer, um, this teacher, is saying, that, that the intent is to indoctrinate. I think that it's not accidental that this math and science is so bad and so confusing and is in a dead in the mind and the interest in math and science because although it should be true that every field of knowledge requires objectivity and critical thinking, you know, as it's taught now, that's not the case. It actually is. In fact, math and science, it, you can't really avoid looking at reality and being objective and doing critical thinking if you're going to do those things, if you're going to do any kind of learning or thinking in those fields. And right. so I think that math and science provide a certain tie to objectivity and independent thinking that has to be destroyed in order to make those minds kind of more pliable for this indoctrination agenda that well, they and then, have. You know, and, th and then you ask, okay, well, and what do these people think is going to happen when they've destroyed all the ability to innovate, which is what is saving our economy from the overbearing government right now, is whatever leftover ability we have to innovate. What's going to save us? What does he think? I mean, they, they're just blanking out these people, or they guess they don't care about prosperity in any way, shape, or form. Is that right? Well, yeah, either that or they do care, and their goal is to destroy it. Um, kind of similar to the, you know, that it, in that case, it would be a form of nihilism like the environmentalist mm -hmm. agenda, which is obviously hostile to any kind of technology and, and, and even explicitly often hostile to human life as such. And so maybe there are those who are motivated by that kind of thing in the Common Core movement as well. And you think about it, they cannot be open and honest about that. It's too horrific, even to themselves. They can't even utter those words. I mean, 
we are here to cripple minds. They can't, you mean, they can't believe that they would actually, but this is what they're doing. But they right. even can't and probably else, accept that. I just think that if you picked some people at random, like even uneducated people, just randomly picked a bunch of people and said, hey, put together a program that will teach kids, you know, what, a, a program for teaching kids, that they would put together something much more rational and coherent than this. Absolutely. You have to add the intent to destroy in order yeah. to get something as monstrous as Common Core. Well, you know, to destroy, but also to take control. You know what I mean? To destroy those that they want to rule. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They want to be able to be a lot more pliable, a lot more susceptible to their, you know, wishes. The the biggest mm-hmm. most fun, the biggest most fundamental issue, and this is something that they've talked about recently in the objective standard, is yes, okay, the Common Core in terms of substance looks like it is horrific, looks like it is an attempt to destroy the mind, indoctrinate, and or both, right? But the biggest issue is the fact that it creates even more bureaucracy, more establishment bureaucracy that takes over education. And what are we doing in this country? We are taking money from taxpayers by force. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you pay your taxes voluntarily. No way. You pay your taxes you try because not them, if you yeah. don't pay them, you go to jail or they take your money now or whatever it is. So you're paying your taxes by force. That tax money, a good big chunk of it, is going to finance education that you may or may not use. I mean, you may or may not have kids. You may or may not have school-age kids at the moment, whatever. Um, maybe you decide to put your kids through private school. So this money is being taken from you by force and used to control education around the entire country, and that is morally wrong. That is the biggest problem. I mean, we could talk about that it's very dangerous, but what they've done is because they have a captive audience, because every child is either supposed to go to a government school or some approved private school or show that your parents have done the homeschooling things enough to jump through whatever the locally required hoops are, right? Uh, that there is a certain push towards kids having to go to government schools, especially when the parents are taxed so much that they can no longer afford to spend the money to private schools, right? Mm -hmm. So here you've got this captive audience, and then you're going to numb their minds and indoctrinate them. This is the most horrific thing ever. Because these bureaucrats, their minds are wiped out. I mean, it's like, well, join the club, but but we want to be in control. I mean, that's the bottom line. We want to be in control. But also just to really uh, make them make the bureaucratic mind across the entire nation, right? You know, and I think uh, just uh, another brick in the wall. That's what I should be having. Right. I don't have it in my iTunes, but that's what we should be playing today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Either that or the we don't need no education. That's the, the same one. album. That, that's that, that's actually that the song. That's the song, oh, Deb. Oh. <laughs> That's how well I know my music. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I mean, You're too we, young. We, we were thinking of the same song. You just didn't know exactly yeah. the name. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes the, the choice between the two easy, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Flip a coin. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but you're right. It is. It, I mean, it really is just, it, it's like a nuclear bomb on the cognitive level. I mean, it's just, you can't escape it. And, yeah. and when you really look at it, like the way you just described it, that's what's really going on. But there's just so much evasion going on, and it's presented in such a way that people just don't see it somehow. 
maybe because they're used to it or they just they don't want to take a step back and think about it because it's or just it's too awful. I, I don't know exactly what the reason is. Maybe because they themselves are products of the same system at a slightly less bad stage. Well, and and but some people some people are just kind of waking up to it, but they don't really understand it. So Louis C.K who is a comedian who's had quite a bit to say about the Common Core on Twitter recently. I'm double down. The only reason he's doing it is reality, which is the reality of trying to help his child with her math homework and saying, oh my gosh, I don't even understand what in the world this is. And, and the type of multiplication problem that I'm thinking of that I saw the other day was you multiply a two-digit number by a two-digit number, and then the solution to that is supposed to be saying, okay, if I don't know, if it's if it's like twenty times twelve or something, then they'll say like twenty and ten is thirty and this minus five is whatever and I was like, what does that have to do with those numbers that you're multiplying up there? I can't I mean, figure it out. Just, Deb, have you figured I mean, out their methodology for multiplying a two digit number by a two digit number? I can't and, figure and it out. In crude terms, it is to F with you. I mean in crude terms it is to F with us. It's F with kids. It really is. Are you are yeah, you able to like, explain it? Uh, well, I can't remember seeing that particular thing. I remember seeing one thing that was it just had like a multiplicity of steps, and it was not intuitively obvious what the rationale was. Yeah, it was like, it was like it was like you you take the digits of the two digit number and you relate them to each other. You relate them. You relate the the whole two digit number to other numbers, and you see what the relationship is. And then you add up the numbers that come out of those relationships, and then you get the answer. I was like, what yeah, the hell? It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it's not mathematically valid at all. I mean, I remember figuring out what they were doing in the case I looked at. I think it was a different type of thing I was looking at. I might even had something to do with just adding, but, like, somehow they made it turn into 12 different steps, and, like, you had no idea why they did that. And ultimately it comes out right. Like, you can follow the algorithm and get the right answer, but it's like there's no reason for that algorithm to be there because it makes I couldn't see any. I couldn't complex. see any. And I would, I would defy a Common Core advocate, a math Common Core advocate, to explain to me how that methodology that I saw, assuming that it's right. Now, and this is the other thing too, right? I imagine that the anecdotal examples of Common Core problems that we see being thrown out there on the web aren't all Common Core problems. They could be completely made-up stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they could mm -hmm. also be things that are being taught in the public schools now, but they're not necessarily a product of Common Core because Common Core hasn't been fully rolled out yet. It could just be an individual teacher's attempt to indoctrinate their, their class, right? So we may not be yeah. seeing out there all these anecdotes, but if it's true. This example that I saw about multiplying, and I'll try to find it and post it out there. I'll post it on my Facebook. You know, I'll post it through Twitter and the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook once I find it. It was horrific, and I could not understand it. And then, Deb, if you do see it, if you see me post it, see if you can yeah. make any sense of it. See if you can make any I sense will. of it. Cause I, I just I can't. And I would enjoy, you know, teaching math to a little kid someday or something. But I, I don't see how I could teach this stuff. I don't see how I can do it. You know, I, I was a math major, and I thought I knew my math. And I look at this, and I said, what's the reason for this? I don't know what it would be. Some of it could cool. be because, you know, how we sort of um, internalize what we do in our heads when we do easy math problems. We internalize it so much that we don't actually know what we're doing. 
maybe mm-hmm. there's something like that going on there, so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, but I could not figure it out. Yeah, the thing I saw was completely pointless. It was sort of like a Rube Goldberg type of thing, and it just added a bunch of steps that didn't need to be there. And, and I mean, there was yeah. no validity to it. Like, you could follow it and get the right answer, but there was absolutely no reason to teach it that way unless your point was to confuse people. And, right. um And that's probably the case with the thing you saw. I, I'm sure you'd do a better job of teaching than anyone involved in this program. And and the, and the reason maybe that you wouldn't teach it that way is that it's a ridiculous way to teach it. <laughs> it's not it's not crow friendly, and it doesn't help the kids to understand the concept. It obscures the concept. Yeah. Then the challenge would be to present math as a as a mystery, as Doug Peltz and, and Keith Schacht are doing. So thanks for calling in again, Deb. And uh, sure. we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get through more of these stories. Always good to talk Rob to you. Rob has breaking news: Edgar Wright no longer directing Ant Man for Marvel. That sucks. Hmm, I didn't six even know years, about Ant Man. Six years in development. Oh. Six years. You know these these projects always fall apart. You know that's that's, that's the thing that that's scary. That's the thing that's scary I thought, for I mean, people. That would have been a fun movie by him with Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas and all that. But whatever, we'll see. Let me see what other stories we've got here on the education issue. I do recommend reading the interview with the teacher, McQueen, over at The Blaze and checking that out. And um, then there's a couple other stories here. One is there's a new technology development that's being pushed by the feds that would allow for data collection on every child. There is another aspect of Common Core, which is this collecting of data about your child. If you're sending your kids to government schools, or maybe if you're sending your kids to compliant, bend-over private schools, there may be data being collected about your child put in a database. Of course, their health data is going to be put in the Obamacare database as well, and then all that Obama has to do is use his pen and a phone and integrate the data from both databases, and then your kid is never going to have a private moment in his entire life forever. (sighs) Privacy is a huge issue for me, obviously, but... Again, with government schools, the whole issue is that it's immoral for people to steal money from you and then tell you how to educate your kids by spending that money. And I was I was talking to Bosch earlier today. I was saying, you know, uh, suppose your goal is to get people to buy insurance, which is one of the Obamacare stories that we're going to talk about in a second. He says, oh, we're just trying to encourage people to buy insurance. Encourage. 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 A little nudge. What a word. Just give encourage. them a nudge. Yeah. It's called force. Um, if your goal is really to encourage people, why don't you just have some sort of pub, you know, public campaign, a few million dollars, and do some public service announcements and encourage them to Mer- buy insurance? Mer- what, what Iron yeah. said in, in, um, in her work, Atlas, about the fact that the human mind cannot you know, identify itself as evil. Evil people cannot go there. And that's the first time I've ever heard it put that way, but it's true. Obama cannot go out there and say, I am here to destroy the greatest country in the history of the world. He can't say that, even to himself, right. even in his, own, in his own mind, because it's just too horrific. He's like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I'm just trying to change it. To what? I don't know. Just change it. Fundamentally, fundamental transformation. He can't say that. And that's why he has to say, I'm encouraging people to look for insurance. And I mean, I'm not right. forcing them to. No, no. Now, just to give another example of the type of control that the government schools are taking over your children, here's the kind of example that comes up a lot. You know, they talk about how they control the lunches that you have to eat in school. This is an example from the New York Post, and you see a picture of a, a young girl, and the headline says, this kid is 
fat, according to the city of New York. And the kid does not look fat. She looks like a normal kid, as far as I can tell. I don't think that she's overweight at all. But supposedly, she is one pound over some stupid index on a chart, according to some government hack. And what do they do in the government school in New York? They send a note home to the parents. They send the note via the kid. They tell the kid, oh, don't open it. But they put some little flimsy sticker on it. And of course, all the kids are going to open it. They want to know what the school is sending home to the parents. Are they going to get in trouble? Who knows what? And then they read this thing that says they're fat. You know, I, I think these examples, I mean, this is obviously horrific and horrible. You don't want any government bureaucrat telling your kid that your kid is fat. Um, if you want to have a discussion about your kid and weight, it's a very delicate topic. You certainly don't want the government sticking its nose in this sort of business. And these type of examples, they are horrific, but I think the reason that they get so much publicity versus pedagogy and what your kids are learning in school is because it's easier to understand. Yeah. It is hard for us to understand pedagogy and how the government schools are destroying our kids' minds. It's easy to see these examples of them taking physical control over your children or doing even psychological damage. That's easier for the average person to understand that you might create all sorts of issues around weight for a kid by sending a note home like this. So just for your edification, and it's just an example of one way in which the government schools are really working to undermine your kids' confidence and self-esteem by, you know, measuring them up against some sort of arbitrary standard decided by a bureaucrat. And, what you know, whatever you measure according to an arbit, you know, arbitrary bureaucrat standard, what does it mean? Suppose the kid is told, well, his weight is perfect. Maybe it's not. And then they're going to have something, well, my weight is perfect. I can eat anything. Or, you know, I mean, no. and, and same intellectually. Suppose they're told, oh, well, you're way above the average no. of the latest Common Core slammed together, never tested before test. No. Then they go around thinking, oh, well, I can just sit back in math class and, uh, and draw pictures. <laughs> I mean, this is just the right? age of Obama. I mean, think about, well, think about what will happen even years after he's done. I mean, putting his foot on the gas for eight years to go right. down a path that we've been going for a hundred years. Yeah. Very, and, and, very, and, and very they difficult. said, you know, they said recently he's increasing the pace of using the pen and the phone yes. and stuff. Yes, yes. Um, the last two links on the education piece, which I'm just going to mention here. We'll take them after. Yeah, we'll take Thanks. it right after the break. Um, is the four million dollar teacher and the new abolitionism from um, C. Bradley, C. Bradley Thompson. Thompson. Excellent article. Yeah. And again, the goal is get government out of education Separation entirely. Of we do have to get the Common Core. We need to get the Common Core out of there as a first step. But the ultimate goal is to get government at all levels completely out of education, put control over education back in the, the hands of schools. individuals. What, here, what a disgusting term. we got a break here. We'll be right back. You know, I don't know if I dare brag about my bumpers because every time I brag about a bumper, about that they're relatively smooth, 
something goes wrong. <laughs> but let me see if I can actually brag about it and then still do a good job for well, the rest of the show. Well, speaking about bragging about something, uh, Brett Barr had a story the other day and called, they called the uh, Obama Republicans. Well, that's something that I thought about uh, last year, and I, I made a poster about it. I made the GOP with the O being the Obama symbol. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Uh, they don't hate Obama. They're envious of him, envious of what he's done, of the power that, that he has given him and will give them in the future. Well, and, and that's why, you know, I'm sure Sunstein himself didn't uh, ignore the implication of having something like Common Core because he knows as well as anybody that if Republicans get in power, then the content that's recommended in the Common Core, such whatever content there is, is going to be all switched over to whatever the current administration thinks right. is the best thing that your kids should be but it'll see, learning. But it, it, it will still be what? Pro-government. I mean, there's nothing in there that's critical government. You'll never find Parliament of Horrors by P.J. Work ever, anywhere near there, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. Pro-government still. No yeah. criticism of government. Okay, here's my cartoon idea of the week. Uh-huh. So you've got government school classroom, and the teacher is up there teaching off of a government-mandated curriculum, and it's that government is horrible and everybody, you know. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess you could just have dot, dot, dot in the corner, and Islam means peace, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> Maybe he's right in that. Government's great. Government's great, you know. No, no, no. no. Government's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Government should not be in control of education. That's part of the government-mandated curriculum. Do you like that? Yeah. That would be awesome. But it's true. Government will always be seen as this great thing in government schools. Naturally. Naturally. There's no speak truth to power talk there in schools. Government's good. This is government. You're in a government school. Your brain will be demolished by government. So after this uh, little break is over here, we're going to go into the rest of the stories about carrying this theme of inspiration versus indoctrination into other areas. And I think we're actually going to get through the stories because they I don't have a whole lot to say about a whole bunch of these stories. We do have a call that we're going to take, and we'll take it right after the break to see if it's something about the education issue. But then we're going to quickly go on to some of these other areas. Let's talk about the um, Obama Instead of inspiring Congress to pass the legislation that he wants, what does he do? He just pulls out his pen and a phone. Uh, Or, of course, he has a temper tantrum, which is what he does half the time. Then uh, how Obama describes the Obamacare mandate. We sort of talked about that already, but it's good to integrate under this theme. Islam, always ready to talk a little bit more about that, how it indoctrinates. And and what is 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 indoctrination? you? You have... A captive how, audience, and you use force to it, get them to how it de- take in certain How Islam dehumanizes content. even uh, normal human beings in the West, at least attempts to. Now, I need a little bit more of some other bit of music here. What am I going to do? Something that will make you cringe, can I? We can have it if you have it. We can have it, by the dears, if, if you have it. I don't know if I've got it here. Why don't you go to my... Uh, Actually, i got to do something really okay. quick. Here we go. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. I gotta leave. Her eyes, her eyes make the stars seem like they're not shining. Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying. 
She's beautiful. Okay, that was a little bit of Matt Bayless doing the Bruno Mars cover just the way you are. And as I said at the beginning of the little break last time, during that break, I did. I messed up that bumper. I did. Totally I messed fine. up the timing on that bumper. This one. Big was, time. This one was smooth. I mean, last one, this one was smooth. So you made up for it. I need to. You know, it is It is difficult. I, I want to be Greg Gutfeld on the five sitting back and maybe, you know, he had a little discussion with the guy who's doing the music before the show because I guess he has some control over the different things that they're playing over the breaks and things like that. But somebody else is doing the smooth stuff with that music. They're not doing it. And their microphones are getting turned off and they're doing all the paid for that. And I'm I'm sitting here with all my little buttons. So anyway, that's my excuse now. So let's go on. And I want to take the call that has been waiting here in case our caller wants to discuss the common core. Hi, who's this? Hi, Mr. Beasley. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. I, you know, I'm listening, and I'm lightly familiar with the Common Core, but you're speaking of indoctr- indoctrination in mm-hmm. the public schools, that the, compulsor- the compulsory schools, and this is nothing new. I went right. to PS 163 many, 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 many years ago in the late 60s and early 70s. And, you know, I remember in the first grade being taught about the uh, persecuted pilgrims came to, came because of their religious belief to escape persecution in England, and they came and engaged the, the poor Indians who were starving to death, and the pilgrims were nice enough to share their food, and they had a nice harmonious dinner. Mm. Um, I was all, I was, I also remember, uh, uh, being taught that Jesus was uh, that Christmas was Jesus' birthday. Every single day, you take a pledge to the United States of America. You aren't encouraged to question anything or any. This is so. This indoctrination is nothing new. So, so basically, this was things. These were bits of content that you were taught in government schools that you objected to. Well, or that you, I didn't, or, or I you didn't, object, to I didn't object to them at the time. I was just a right. kid going along. But when I look back, mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving story is a lie. The Christmas story is a lie. Uh, I'm well, pledging we, allegiance. I'm pledging allegiance to a flag. Does that mean no matter what the flag or the government is responsible for, I'm still allegiant to it? When right. You so you're, so, so, so you're, yeah. And I mean, you're, first of all, I'm going to disagree with you on some substantive issues there. But your point overall is well taken, which is that government schools have been teaching whatever the current government in power has wanted them to teach all the way through that this is nothing new. And the only thing that's new here with the Common Core is that you have this power grab at the federal level where the federal government is going to be imposing a unified curriculum on all the states through whatever method they can do it. And we're seeing that they are using some pretty shady methods and getting the states to adopt whatever it is. But, you know, again, you, you might like some of the content of the common core right now more than I do. But then if we have a president, Ted Cruz next time around, maybe I would like some of the content in his version. Although I'm, I I would actually hope that president Ted Cruz, if there's a president, Ted Cruz, that he would wipe out the department of education entirely He'd probably throw it back no to the place. states. You're, um, you're not really serious saying that. He's ineligible to run for president anyway. 
Well, I don't, I don't agree with I don't agree with that either. So, so as I said, you know, I, 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 your point Ted is well Cruz taken. Ted Cruz is really an absolute lunatic. I can't believe that I'm calling into the, a show. Okay, the White I think House, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, and so are you. I'm going to go ahead and take this off the air a little bit there. But your point, your one point is well taken, which is that, yes, government schools have been doing this indoctrination for a long time. And different people are going to agree versus disagree with the particular content <laughs> that's in the government school curriculum at any time. Okay, so now think, we have... I've, see, I, see, that's what happens to government school brains. I mean, I mean, no, that's, that's what happens. See? We'll agree to disagree. Thanks for calling in. That's and a prime example of why Common Core must be stopped. It's, it's when you call my man a lunatic that oh, I have yeah, to please. actually hang up the phone. And, and what's Obama? If, if Ted Cruz is a lunatic, what the hell is Obama? A stupid idiot, beyond belief. I thought I was being nice. I was saying, okay, well, you have well, your you beliefs, are. and I have my beliefs, and let's just talk about our This guy ended uh, up in, on the wrong ground. show. He's probably like bumping around, you know, what, what, what's this? Let, let, let me just play this. And yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, gosh. So let's go on, and let's talk about Obama, because then that guy actually probably won't want to listen to my show at all anymore, it sounds like. Uh, Obama blames the founding fathers' structural design of Congress for gridlock. This is the latest kind of, you know, Attack it, on our system. veiled temper tantrum, not so veiled, I guess, temper tantrum by Obama because he's not able to get his way yeah. all the time as smoothly yeah. as he wants it. So, so President so Obama... Bl- blame the founding fathers. Right. This is a Washington Times story and when, let me see if I can get a date here. I don't know if I can get a date here around the intrusive audio and video app. By the way, that guy Friday, was scared about the, the term he used, you know, President Ted Cruz. He was terrified. He was like, oh, no, you know, so he had, you know, he had to run. It's true. That is, I mean, President Ted Cruz, those President three Ted words <laughs> for, for leftists and liberals, those three words, that's nightmare. It, it, that's a nightmare. It's, it's the best hope we have right now. Yeah, right? and for them, it's, it's the worst nightmare. What does it say about them? But go on. So President Obama says the Washington Times is taking a swipe at the founding fathers, blaming his inability to move his agenda on the, quote, disadvantage of having each state represented equally in the Senate. At a Democratic fundraiser in Chicago. See, you know, first of all, they took away the election of the senators. It was supposed to be yes, that yes, they were was. appointed by the state legislature. Right, and now that's still not enough for him. Absolutely right. He doesn't want each state to be equally represented. He government wants it schools, all. government health care, government they, this, government They are no, trying no. to turn this country into a democracy so we yes. can have majority rule where the majority is dumbed down and by notice, their stupid education. And they never education. refer to it as a republic, yeah. and they always refer to it as democracy because exactly. they want to believe that. They want to make it so. Yeah. So, um, nope. You know, I hope, hope the guy is still listening, by the way. Each state should not be equally represented in the Senate, according to Obama. It says at a Democratic fundraiser in Chicago, Mr. Obama told a small group of wealthy supporters, why do people with money support this asshole? Anyway, sorry. I, ooh, that was bad. Um, there are several hurdles to keeping Democrats in control like of the Senate and recapturing the House. One of the problems is the apportionment of two Senate seats to each state regardless of population. He says, obviously, the nature of the Senate means that California has the same number of Senate seats as Wyoming. That puts us at a disadvantage. Oh, oh. poor Mr. Obama. Um, Look, since you said that now, I'm going to call him up. Okay, go on. And listen, if Obama had the truth on his side, he could make arguments in favor of his so-called of legislative agenda, whatever the hell he thinks it is, and he could inspire. But when you don't, he could you inspire can't. Absolutely. the people in the House and the Senate. So what does he do instead? When pen he phone, can't, phone when pen. he pen the phone whenever he can, yeah. when he thinks he can get away with it, 
And if he can't, he just throws a temper tantrum. He wants to force things to be his way. And so what do they want to do? They want to radically reshape the Senate. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Look, he asked for that. You would be less. Are we going to have to have a swear jar on my show? Tammy Bruce has a swear jar on her but, show. We look, may have to have a swear jar. If I was to unload jar. on this show the way I refer to him and the other rats in, in Washington, I, don't, I mean, this show might be banned from Blog Talk Radio. Who knows? What, the fact what? is, they deserve everything we got, the lowest. They deserve it, whether we say it or not. So that's one slip, please, in three years. Give me a break. So Obama does not inspire legislators to enact his agenda. He forces his agenda on us through every way, shape, and form that he can, including getting Harry Reid to manipulate the rules oh, in the yeah. Senate. That's his, oh my, talk about. Cut out pr- debate. Talk about partners in crime. Get judges appointed to the bench by hook or crook. Recess appointments, if he can get away with them in the different levels of bureaucracy, judges, whatever he can get away with, get those appointments in there, shove his agenda through, through regulatory measures, writing new rules. Uh, where they've got regulatory power, the pen and the phone, whatever he can do, he forces it. He does not inspire. These are rat bastards to be kind. They're rat bastards. And uh, the, the one, the guy is listening. I hope he's listening. And that is completely anathema to the spirit of America, where we inspire people to vote and agree with what the government is doing, not have it shoved down our throats. And this is what's also been done with Obamacare. Just the latest in the way that Obama has such contempt for us. I've got this story from The Blaze. I link to all these stories at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Check them out over there. It says, President Obama told a fundraising crowd in his hometown of Chicago that Obamacare, mostly known for the, you know, the individual mandate, is simply a free market tool to, quote, encourage people to buy insurance, end quote. Encourage. Encourage. Um, mandate. It is a tax, according to the Supreme Court. Yes, it is. To the idiot Roberts. Roberts. If you don't buy insurance, you will be taxed. At increasing levels, conveniently after Obama himself is out of office. Well, Harry Reid, his partner in crime, said, uh, um, uh, what's called, paying taxes is voluntary. Remember that? He said that in an interview. He actually said that. And I don't know, I don't think I had the wherewithal to say, well, what did you say? But he said that. This is the mindset. They can't believe that what they're doing is bad. They can't believe that they're, that they're engaged in force. They sure as hell won't say that. I know people who are going without insurance right now because Obamacare has made insurance too expensive for them to afford anything that makes financial sense, and they are opting to pay this year's penalty instead. This year's penalty is $95 per adult, $47.50 per child, or 1% of the household income, whichever is greater. The penalty increases to $325 per adult, and or 2% of the household income in 2015, conveniently after the elections. 2016, it doubles or more than doubles again to 695 per adult, etc. Um, the fine is going to keep increasing with the rate of inflation later unless we repeal Obamacare. This is where we are. So... Encourage, encourage. Imagine if they just said, you know, look, these are the reasons you should buy insurance. Insurance is a great thing. Go out and buy some insurance. This is not encouraging. This is hitting people over the head with a club. Yes, it is. Full government force pounding away. By the way, people who think that Ted Cruz cannot be president, they all think that Obamacare cannot be, be repealed. 
Both can be, especially if Ted Cruz becomes president and they get the Senate and they get the Congress and they get a more rational culture. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. It can happen overnight, clearly, but things like that can be repealed. Even in a, in a culture that is, you know, so sick. But, um, I mean, again, those words, I, I think I tweeted, I said the three most terrifying words to liberals, President Ted Cruz. He used to be President Reagan, but, you know, he's long gone now. Daniel over here in the chat room is saying, uh, can we elect Jeb Bush to abandon Obamacare in order to save it? That's funny. <laughs> that chair writes, uh, insurance, Tony Sparno style. Exactly right. Right. Uh, I need you to make, to make me payments. Uh, I'm going to encourage you. You see these guys behind me? Yeah. You, these, 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 you see that gun on them? These, yeah. these are my encouragers. Yeah. This, I mean, this idea that he, oh, just no, just free market, encourage, yeah. It brings up the fact that Ted Cruz can become president because he's a natural-born citizen, and it's absolutely true. And the left will, will will cling to that. That's the only thing they got. I think the guy may mention something like that, like he can't be literally. Yes, right. he can. He can. And to your nightmare, he he probably will be. So I hope he does. I mean, especially right now, is we need an absolute sharp right turn in this country quick. And that's the only way we could I do. mean, first step is we need to deliver much more effective gridlock than we yeah, had. Yeah, if we can't put on the brakes, we the at least put, on, yeah. put the gas a little lower. Obama's had it for six years now, five years, pedal to the metal. Well, and, and this is one thing. I like the, quote, structural design that creates gridlock at a time like this. There should not be piles and piles of legislation coming out of Congress all the time. Legislation should be more of an exceptional thing. You would assume that by the time you reach 2014 that things were pretty well figured out and you wouldn't need to keep making this legislation unless government is doing what it shouldn't which is what it's doing. Uh, Robert Nasir in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, demand Ted Cruz long-form yes. birth certificate. Yay. The fact is we know he was born there. <laughs> he says he was born there. There's no mystery here. Obama, by the way, just for the record, if no one knows this, he's the original birther. He's the birther-in-chief. He's the one who lied and wrote that he was born in Kenya in his, in his uh, author bio in 1991 for a book publisher. He said that. This lion rat bastard right, said that. Right. So let's go back to our theme, our overall theme of inspiration versus indoctrination. And another area in which you are seeing this attitude of indoctrination prevalent today is in the Muslim world. Yeah. In the Muslim world, they do not try to inspire you. And I mean, in fact, Bosh, you've done a lot of research on the history of Islam, yeah. and you said that when Muhammad tried to inspire people, years, inspire yeah. people to come over to Islam, it didn't work. Thirteen years, right? he got maybe a couple of hundred people, tops. Yeah. And then uh, Allah said, "Actually, you can use force." Oh, oh, okay, good. So he was quote unquote peaceful for thirteen years until he started bashing skulls in, and then that's when Islam spread. Like a disease, like a like a like a Cancer. an ocean of blood across the Middle East. And now we see how it is that they are spreading Islam in the Sudan. Yep. CNN has now picked up this story. Yeah, um, going kudos on. to CNN for it. The latest that I've seen development here. This is uh, published Thursday, May twenty second, yesterday. Appeal filed for Sudanese woman who was sentenced to death for her Christianity. A Sudanese lawyer filed an appeal Thursday for a pregnant woman sentenced to death this month for refusing to renounce her Christianity. Now, is that the most naked form of indoctrination right. ever in the world? 
accept our belief system or we will kill you. Yep. And it's a fellow Christian of the president, you know, the uh, famous Christian president of ours. And it's an American husband whose wife is getting, uh, is about to be killed. And uh, this guy who speaks about everything, sports, ESPN, the uh, picks for the, for, for the college games, has nothing to say about this. An American's wife right. is to be killed for a religion that he has nothing but good things to say about. You know, he was born and raised a Muslim, Barack Obama. He went to Quran school. He went to Quran class in Indonesia for four years, from six years old to ten years old. He left Islam at one point, if he did, which he probably did because he's an atheist, pretended to be a Christian. But what I'm saying is he uh, has he's the only ex-Muslim who I know who has nothing but good things to say about Islam. Right. They're all critics of Islam, everyone who leaves Islam. They're all critics, whether they're quiet critics to some extent or loud ones writing, writing books about it. Uh, that's unnatural. I mean, that's why I think, you know, as Leonard Peikoff says, he's a nihilist. He was raised by communists and Muslims right. and never questioned either. He doesn't, he can't believe in Allah and the state and all that, but uh, he finds a way. This, uh, th- I mean, this ideology, this religion Just is the example of totalitarian religion that's out there in a the small world. small example. Born and raised in America, me in the Bronx, mm-hmm. raised to uh, women are necessary evils that can bring in male Muslim heirs. Jews are the scum of the earth. That's, you know, there's admiration of Hitler. And these are, again, these were quote-unquote moderate, semi-civilized Muslims in America. And again, these are ideas that your parents asked you to accept yes. unquestioningly. unquestioningly. It's not like they gave you any evidence, not that any no. evidence could be given Yahudi, for these Yahudi, beliefs. Yahudi, is evil. And so they never had to come in contact with, it, with, with any Jews because Jews were evil. That's why they didn't come in contact with them, because they were evil. Right. No first-hand experience, no nothing. Well, and, and this idea that they have to use indoctrination to instill these beliefs because yep. these beliefs are wrong irrational. and irrational. There is no argument Absolutely you can right. give. It's not like you can say, okay, well, here's this mystery and this look, look, look at reality it's and solve it. Right? If, if, if you try to use the mystery science company method of teaching these horrible ideas, right. it would totally fail. fail. Totally fail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the only way with these, and this kind of leads into one of the last topics that Good. I wanted to talk about today here, which is the idea of liberal talk radio, why liberal talk radio doesn't succeed, whereas non-liberal talk radio seems to do quite well. Thank you. Yeah. And I've got an article from Politico. It says five ways to rescue liberal talk radio, but it won't be easy. Why would this critical news source? Uh, be in, interested in that this news source, you know, this uh, unbiased news source, be interested in saving liberal they, talk radio. They hate the idea that their their side <laughs> is not getting represented in this medium, and I think that there's a reason for that, which we'll talk there's about. There's a, num- a number of ones, the, the one that Ed brought up, the ones that you're going to bring up clearly, and it's something that I just think also. Now, one says, "Don't be a shill for the Democratic Party." That's going to make them succeed. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, don't. Uh, Oh, call, calling Jeff Bezos or anyone with his kind of money, they could use some cash. Now, people have, cash. people have thrown all kinds of money into liberal talk radio, and it always fails. Yes, Isn't this, always, yeah. always. Rush Limbaugh has advertisers. Catch a rising star. See, it's ju- what does it's, that mean? It's just about somebody with charisma. By the way, they've tried to get the uh, liberal Rush Limbaugh for the last 25 years. Where is he? Right. Where is she? Right. Nowhere to be found. The uh, the fourth idea that they have here is, as I scroll down, uh, it says, speaking of online, maybe it's time to move on from AM radio 
and instead it's, go it's online. Calls. Look, you can't tell lies every single day for three hours a day. You can't preach to the choir. To, you, can't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to listen to your group telling you the lies that you know are lies. I mean, even liberals don't listen to talk radio, to liberal talk radio. It's like, I know, I know you're lying. This, this whole ideology is a lie. Why would I want to hear these lies? Exactly, exactly. And then the final thing is they say 2016 or bust. The thing that's going to save us is we have to um, have a lot of liberal talk radio leading up to the 2016 election that gives us a window of opportunity to really attract the audience. So that's the last thing that they say here. Oh, our little post-it note fell down, which means the NSA can now watch us through our webcam. That's right. Bye-bye, NSA. Sorry, you can't watch us. You can hear us all the time, though, and feel free to call in at 760-888-5817. So, they say it's not so, boring. So, so here's, here's my thinking, and you tell me, Bosch, whether I'm all washed up or not. Huh. My thinking is this, that I believe that non-liberal talk radio does inspire rather Boredom? than... rather oh, than sorry. no. It inspi- non-liberal. Sorry, I thought you meant liberal talk no, radio. No, yeah. non-liberal talk radio. Non, non, non. Yes, non-liberal yes. talk radio, which means conservative, objectivist, libertarian. Yeah. You know what? You, what do you call it? That it will inspire rather than indoctrinate. No doubt about it. And the reason is, is that in the you know for the most part, if you're doing the right ideas, you have the truth on your side. Yes, you do. And what does that mean? That means that you can actually, on a daily basis, and again, talk radio is typically a daily medium. I think it's true. I think if mm-hmm. I felt up to it, it would be best to do a daily yep. show. You know, if I could yep. figure out some way to, to make that work financially, I would try to do it. Because what happens is, on a daily basis, you are going through with the host, some host you find congenial, some host who has at least some sort of implicit idea of the right overall framework, at least in a certain area, and that host is going to go through a bunch of concretes, and you're going to think about those concretes, usually from the right aspect, and even if your host is not perfect, and believe me, I think that there are better people at presenting objectivism than I can do, right? But what I think that I bring is I say, okay, well, look. On I've, radio today? Yeah, your own Brooke, for instance, when well, he, whenever he starts his show or he's got a podcast well, what, with Leonard, Leonard Peacock. Let's talk about it then when he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's it's if it's a regular thing. Anyway, let, let's not talk about that part. But the point is, is that even if the person is not perfect at it, the person, if they're decent, is going to put in front of you a lot of reality. material, a lot of a lot of reality. Truth. You know, looked at, giving you hints of looking at it from the right perspective. And then you are going to be able analyze to in, not just analyze, induce. Okay. Induce, where you are able to take this mass of concrete that are discussed in the talk radio format on a daily basis and, and put it together and reach the right principles. Right. Sometimes they're not just going to be in politics, but a lot of times talk radio, we, we focus on politics. And I think and make an honest presentation the, on like the, the liberal the radio. medium, this medium of talk radio, especially daily talk radio, where you're going through lists of concrete stories, is su- well suited for guiding the listener through an inductive process. And if the talk radio host is decent, like I said, they're going to do a good job of this. You know, you know, not all talk radio hosts have all the right ideas. Um, you know, in fact, I love Tammy Bruce, but I disagree with her on some issues. Today she had an op-ed, for example, that I didn't feature here because I have a little bit of disagreement with her. But nonetheless, you listen to Tammy Bruce on a daily basis, you're going to get a lot of good stuff, a lot of truth, and you're going to integrate some things, and you're going to come pretty far. 
And only non-liberal hosts can do this because only non-liberal hosts can appeal to stories that demonstrate the truth and bring all those stories together in a show that allows the listeners to induce the right principle. Well, so that's, that's my answer. Do you like it? I, I do. Okay. I just, you know, to be in alignment with, with reality and to also to know what the fundamental issue is of what you're talking about. Whatever it is, whatever concrete story that you have, get down to the bottom line of it. Well, and the, and the talk radio host, especially if it's a live show, you're not going to necessarily articulate yeah. perfectly if you can the get fundamental to the root, point. But if you can get to the root, which well, you can, if, 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 you, if can, you don't overdo it by, by 10 stories a day. Well, and if you can indicate the root. The listener, if you can just kind of hint at the root, right. the listener can right. reach the root for himself. And isn't that the because best you, way to both, learn? You're both being yeah. led towards the truth. Right. And like I said, only non-liberals can do it, in my opinion. I'm sure. I mean, it's, we've, you know, we've got very little time. I here. think Rush has one. It's liberalism. It really is. Liberalism. Yeah, because really they're, they're lying all the time. Yeah. We've got about 30 seconds in the show proper. Those of you listening on Blog Talk Radio, please hang out. We are not going to close the chat room. But if you want to continue the discussion, go to my blog also at don'tletitgo.com. Leave comments on the show. You can subscribe to my blog, subscribe at iTunes, and, of course, con contributions to the show. Much appreciated. Thanks to those of you who did send contributions over the last couple weeks. Thank you. We've got our blog talk renewal coming up, and it's coming in very handy. So thanks very much, and have a great Memorial Day weekend, everyone. Take care. Okay, here we are. We are not for you blog talk people. We're having the after party. That's right. Here we are. And uh, last week I intended to do this. I intended to keep the show going. What I actually do over here at blog talk is I keep the um, – I, I, I gear up to 150 minutes. That's what I indicate, 150-minute show. And the reason I do that anyway is because I don't want the little lady in my ear right. telling me, 90 <laughs> seconds. That's right. 10 seconds and like counting in my right. ear while I'm trying to formulate a closing to a show. Plus, I do a recording on this side and the lady would get recorded and there's all that. Anyway, there's, there's your technical jargon. But that also allows me to have an after party, as we people in the chat room have put it. So you are not kicked out this week. So what you get in non-liberal talk radio is, is Obama being called an asshole. I mean, that's, that, that's what you get. You know, inadvertently almost. You know I mean, not by you – know I mean, you, you didn't really intend to. It was a natural recognition of the fact that he's an asshole. So, it was an integration, over, an, an induction. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like I, I know you wouldn't do that constantly well, and say and, 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 and think about Tammy Bruce, right? No, I, don't, well, yeah. I don't know that Tammy Bruce has read the dim hypothesis. I don't know that she's read anything no, about she, Leonard Peikoff calling no, Obama goes, a nihilist. Oh, yeah. But she has yeah. reached that herself yeah, she by coming at the stories yep. from her own angle. So. Yep. Excellent. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, um, thanks everyone for listening. So we're looking here over here in the chat room. We still got you want Daniel to continue and Ed a, a little and about, about talk radio and how liberals why they stink, why they fail. I don't know. I don't know how long. I'm, 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 perf a, I'm perfectly a, willing. If you guys want to give me any feedback on my little thesis about talk radio, if you want to call in and chat about that too, seven six zero eight eight five eight one seven. Sorry, Ed mm -hmm. brought something here that Leonard brought up. Also, is true. You can. Um, cover a lot of crap up you can in uh, TV you know whereas radio it is you and the ideas of that radio host right and there's nothing between you except that when you got propaganda being thrown out there I mean it's just it's absolute well, and, propaganda and there's another thing too if I have to worry about how I look 
Yeah, right, right, right. I'm right. not necessarily going to be worrying as much about the content. You're not self-conscious, it, 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 right. It's hard to get it all done. There's only so many hours in a day. And looking good takes many hours, especially it takes more hours as we get older. We've got a call here that we're going to go ahead and take. Hi, who's this? Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Ohio. Hi, um, welcome. You're a first-time caller. Hi. Um, yeah, I'd like to speak about the liberal and the non-liberal um, uh, show hosts. I just okay. started doing current events and politics myself um, two days ago, and I like the blog talk radio platform. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to say why I, why I think that the the um, liberals are not going to have a successful show and why others will. Um, okay. What you do is you're talking about indoctrination versus, you know... Inspiring people, right. Themselves. Right. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. I just tell them, you know... I read. I let them know the news. I I talk about the Constitution, and so I don't tell people what to think. I go about things, and then that they can come up with the I the um result on their own. Here's the problem. I mean, but one thing else, I, I mean, but, to, sorry, but you have to tell people what you think. I mean, you have well, to. Well, or or at least you have to indicate. So, I mean, you know, again, I I just started this three years ago, and I don't think I'm an expert by any way, shape, or form. But one thing I've been trying to do is have some sort of a theme to a show. And if my angle on the stories that I'm presenting, for instance, this inspiration versus indoctrination angle, if it's not correct, and if I'm not at least sort of analyzing the stories decently from that perspective, at least to point the listeners in the direction of reaching good conclusions and solid formulations of the principle that I'm getting at, then it's it will fail. And I mean, I could sit here and read the constitution or whatever, but I don't know that that's going to necessarily help anybody. It's, it's looking at the actual concrete events of the world. I mean, this is, you know, Ayn Rand is the one who has inspired a lot of the work that I do in, in this show. And one thing that she always talked about was the fact that history, history is so good for learning and integrating philosophy because you actually look at events in the world and the cause and effect and what happened and why people did stuff and how it turned out. And this is what we look at in talk radio as well. I mean, we're looking, though, at the current events. And in some ways, we're a little handicapped because we don't have the hindsight on what's going on. And we have incomplete information about the current events. Like, for instance, it would be wonderful to be a fly on the wall in Barack Obama's White House and hear what's going on in there, right? But but nonetheless, we're looking at reality, and we're looking at it from this certain perspective. So you just started a couple days ago? Yes, I did, and it was just you know, a trial. It was a 30-minute. Uh, we talked about the homeschooling versus public schooling and whether or not the Department of Education was constitutional. Uh, we kind of ran out of time, but it was fun. I like it. Good. And um, uh, But what I wanted to say was yeah, I do, I I let them know my opinion, but I don't try to force that on them. But I give them things to the point where they can do their research. Now, right. here's what I think is if a liberal 
tries to bring something up, and then the person goes and looks it up, they're going to realize that that host is wrong. Yeah, I mean, mo- most of the, the time, most of the time, that's going to be true. Most of the time, it's going to be true. So tell people quickly. I've got another caller that I'm going to take here in a second, but tell people quickly where they can find your show. Uh, my show is blogtalkradio.com slash keeping them honest. Keeping them honest. I like and the title. I like the title. And my awesome. next show is this coming Monday, and that will be about whether or not gun control is effective. So that'll be okay, excellent. interesting and fun to talk about. All right, and, thanks and, for having and, me on. Yeah, you said your name is Chris? Yeah, my name is Chris. Okay, Chris, well, I wish you the best of luck. Have a good time. All right, thank you. Take care. Take care. We're going to go ahead and take another call. I think it's Ed coming back for a second round. Is this Ed? Yes, it is. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. So, yeah, we're going beyond. We're we're having the after party. It's it's the after party. Do we get to take selfies and and drink and stuff now? Is that that the (laughs) idea? Believe me, I don't want to take a <laughs> selfie of myself right now. Um, I don't know. There's, there's hey, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about uh, about your work. I didn't know you uh, you were a research assistant on Leonard's show, and I, I sort of wanted to get more more information of you about about that show. I don't live in California. I couldn't get it. I didn't Chris is, couldn't listen to it all the time. Uh, I did listen to a number of the shows. I think some of the shows were were of course you know excellent because. Basically, any time Leonard's talking is excellent. But well, and, and, he, and he would he would um, he would he would write out some stuff in advance, and well, and and some of it was maybe too much of a lecture. You know, that could have been part of the issue. Well, I think you know the the weird thing is, you don't you know he he wanted to do with the show on philosophy, and I, you know that's great. The problem is that you kind of have to keep it more towards current events. You know, it's very, very difficult to do a show um, on, on philosophy if you don't immediately tie it to something that's in the news, you know, that's something that's in the air, that's in the economy, you know, mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, uh, of the idea economy of the, of the current thing. And I think some of his better shows were when he did things that were very topical and then tied them to, the philosophic point he was making. And I thought some mm-hmm. of his his duds kind of, um, I mean, he even admitted that he had some duds. I mean, you know, but that were, were ones where he was talking about things that that I think just didn't interact with the audience very well. I mean, the Well, idea, and that was and the he, thing. I think, I think um, exactly. He, he would judge whether it was a dud by whether people would call in. He was always trying to get more people to call in and engage. And that's the thing that makes this medium good as well is the interaction with the caller. So, you know, we had that guy earlier who was kind of, you know, a little bit rude about yeah, he, Ted Cruz and everything. Well, but nonetheless, and... I try, try to oh, get sure. something. I mean, I, I hardly ever get non-objectivists calling the show, so you try to make the Can most of it. Can I say something here? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Trevor writes, uh, liberals fear research, and it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. There were two writers who uh, researched racism in America, and the conclusion they came out with was that there's far less racism than they thought going in. I mean, not not just institutionalized racism, but racism across the country. And they didn't like that result necessarily, but they did report it. They were honest. But they don't like that because they will come across the truth, which is something that they've avoided their entire lives. Right. right. Sorry. Well, no, it's okay. So, Ed, what else about the about either Leonard well, Schiller? Yeah, I mean, what was the job like? I mean, I, uh, I, I'm really interested in how he sort of put that show together. And if well, you were involved, I mean, the, just... 
you know. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, I can remember. I can remember some of the types of assignments. So, for example, we would interview people, and we interviewed that attorney that uh, Bugliosi, who wrote yeah. about the OJ trial. And it was my job to read and mark up the book and come up with a list of questions for Bugliosi. And I still have my marked up book that Bugliosi signed to me when we went, you know, to the studio and he came in the studio. And so I did things like that or privacy. I, I've talked about this before. My whole research on privacy was started because Leonard in, you know, coming up with some topic for the show he said, you know, I've thought about privacy. Is there really a right to privacy? Hey, Amy, can you go figure out if there is a right to privacy? And then I went and read the law review article that was supposed to give rise to a right to privacy, explain why we should have a right to privacy, and decided that the arguments in it were not very good. And that was the beginning of all this long research that I did. So that was some of the kind of stuff that he would have you go and do. But generally, there were stories that he was interested in, and he would ask you to help kind of mark them up uh, for him. And what he would do then, he would look at what you've marked up and then do his own markings because, of course, he was better at thinking in essentials than we were. And he'd decide what it was that he wanted to, to do for the show. I think one thing that probably I could do to improve this show more would be for Kick me. me out. <laughs> oh, sorry. No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Right. I I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I interrupt you that much today. No. I think we should. I think we should have like a website that every time Bosch interrupts, the, the number yeah. goes up. Like you know, one, <laughs> two, three. You know, in real time. Well, you know. I'll be a little more cautious about it then. So. And then and, and then you'll hear a silence. Let, let, let's just not make it a drinking game, okay? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe. <laughs> mean a drunk game. A drunk game. That's right. Forget this drinking game stuff. Um. Trying to yeah, so marking up a lot of stories and uh, going out and researching a topic. If he had something, a question, and he thought that you would be decent at doing it, he would find people who he thought were you know he'd go to Steve Jolivet for history questions all the time and things like that. Oh yeah, Steve's a bu- Steve's a buddy of mine. He's here in the, the Northern Virginia area. Um, we talk a lot. He's a good guy. Definitely. Uh, he actually listens to this too, and I tell him, why don't you call in? Why don't you call in? And he said, oh, I'd, I'd just rather listen to you call in. I would love to have him call in sometime. That would be wonderful. Steve Jolivet. Oh, very cool. Excellent. One other question while I have you on the line. I Googled you, and apparently you have a a fellowship at at the um, SWU or whatever it's called uh, that has something about objectivism in the name. Is that true? So do you get to to teach any objectivism at the school? I do, I do. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to do a law and literature course and teach some Ayn Rand in that course. That is just awesome. Yeah, it definitely is. Next next semester? Right, in the fall. In the fall. Oh, that's. So that'll be great. That's just awesome. Yep, yep. So, what do you think about my thesis about talk radio? Obvious, right? It's true, but obvious? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it. I think it is. I think it is true. It's. Uh, I, I. I do. You know. A lot of this is. A lot of the left. I mean, not that the right doesn't have emotions too, but a lot of the left is driven by emotions, and we know the main one, right? Envy. Um, right. But, you know, there are. There's a lot of them, and so you know, there's a lot of stirring up emotions that needs to be done. That needs to be done. And why but it's, but it's not. It's that, not just. It's not just the emotion. Well. I get, I guess the emotion, right? The emotion in the sense that it helps with the indoctrination, right? There's no backup. Right? There's no, 
Because if you yeah, can, there's no facts or truth on their side. Yeah, if you can just stir it's up the emotion. It is but but I love how the Politico says, well, the answer is don't just be a shill for the Democratic Party, which is what they are. And instead, what it, what is their subtext? They're going to be a shill for their liberal ideas instead of the party. They think if they just don't shill <laughs> right. for a political party, where's, that all is going to be solved. Where's you got? Where's well, the, the, like, uh, the New York Times is very critical of the of the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, the New York Times today published a review of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald's book about the Snowden affair. Mm-hmm. And in it, uh, I just couldn't believe this. In it, they, they basically said that, well, um, you know, the decision whether to publish these types of secrets should be um, ultimately left up to the government. They know best. This is the reviewer, Michael Kinsley, in the New York Times. New York Times who published the Pentagon Papers, right? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so you talk about chills, right? I mean, my God, I, I, how did that ever happen? You know, how did they ever publish a negative review about Greenwald's book because they think the government should decide these questions? You know, I, I, have they not, have, even if Kinsley believes it, how did it get past their editor, right? So right. I, I think mostly the, the main organs of media are kind of gone, their, their history, and it, all happening in the new media. It's all happening on the internet, whether it's blog talk radio or uh, you know websites and blogs and, and Twitter. Even it's you know there, uh, there was a great thing yesterday or the day before where if you Googled Kim Jong Un, just put that into Google. Mm-hmm. It brought up the Google, the Google page. I I I actually screen it, but um, on the left hand side were the links to Kim Jong Un, and the right hand side there was a bunch of pictures and then some data on Kim Jong Un. And the biggest picture, the prime picture, right in the prime place, was a picture of a Barack Obama photoshopped with the Kim Jong Un haircut. So, <laughs> so this is honest to God, true. I couldn't believe it, right? So you you Google that, comes up big picture of Obama, and I thought, well, how long is it going to take Google to find this out? Because it raced through Twitter. And, Everybody's taking screen captures. I can have a you, screen um, screen capture. Can, can you, can you, can you, yeah, I was going to say, please send it to me. I would love to put that out there on Twitter. That would be a good time. <laughs> hey, um, I think now uh, Daniel in the chat room over here at Blog okay. Radio says we're going to have a new feature for the show clock. And I think I'm guessing what it's going to be. It's going to say after party, but I don't know how he's going to do that. He's going to have to then make the show clock program for particular times and not for every single hour. I think that's going to happen. Are, are you going to do the show at Ocon? I mean, are you going to do the show at this time at Ocon? You know, I have not, not decided that yet. I, I need to think about that, and I also need to talk about where the show supporters are going to, where and when we're going to have our little meetup. So everybody who is yeah. a donor to the show is going to be getting an email from me soon to uh, talk about meeting up at Ocon, and we'll figure out how to do I'm that. I'm not going to I'm not well, able you're not to come go? to Ocon, but it would be yeah, with yeah, money. Yeah, yeah well, Lots imagine that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine in today's economy under Barack Obama having any money issues with travel and stuff. I, I don't have a travel budget myself except for going to places where I'm paid to appear at the moment. So I, I totally understand. Yeah, so, yeah, but it would be fun to have a sort of a virtual party, too. It would. I'll leave you alone. Have a great weekend. Uh, thank you. Thank you for calling in twice, Ed. And uh, thanks for agreeing with me and my, my theory about talk radio. I like it. Let's see what we got here. Um, oh, we're going to get the Bosch Interrupt score. Hmm. So, Daniel, basically, if you're, if you're going to have the Bosch Interrupt score, you're going to have to be listening yeah, in real time. It has to be exact. It has to be exact. <laughs> I actually interrupted her. 
I mean, I mean that's it'll be uh, questionable at times. <laughs> We're gonna have to have referees and yeah, exactly. you know review exactly. the call. Right. And <laughs> right. Exactly. That's excellent. Anybody else here? We've got. You gotta be objective about it. Crastio. Oh, Crastio gave me a screen grab. Excellent. Of that, uh, yeah, yeah. So what I gotta do is I gotta. Nice, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, that's great. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna save Ooh. that. And boy, that's pretty funny looking. Yeah. I like it. I like. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Who, who said he's good looking? I... Nielsen wants a Bosch drinking game, and he also wants Pigman news. Well, working on chapter three. Working, uh, trying to battle that that script. Just punch it up and get it right. Um, I can't say anything else. Next week, I'll have something else to say about that. Okay. But thanks, uh, Trevor, for asking. Yeah, yeah. And I've also got to get my... And if I didn't, I want to thank people there. for going on Comixology and uh, rating it. It jumped up. Thank you so much. It, it was a healthy five, went down to three, I think, because liberals and Muslims went there. And some readers who read it, I guess, went there. And uh, it's up to four, which is which is fantastic. Thank you so much. Definitely made a difference. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, doing the ratings and reviews in some cases makes a huge, it huge really, really difference. Does. Another thing, if you haven't, if you are an iTunes user and subscriber and you haven't rated or reviewed this show, you can zoom on over yeah. there and do that as well. But anything else? for our after party here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. I think it's great. It was so impromptu. I was like, whoa. Uh, Nielsen says, what happened to the big news that you were going to give us? Nielsen, this is big yeah. news that has been in the works for years. 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 And still waiting. Yep. And we literally cannot say anything until it's locked in. We cannot. would love to. Definitely. I don't know how the hell I've been, I've been, I kept quiet about this. I mean, seriously. But uh, we'll send it out there as soon as it happens. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Ed says, is the news that we're getting married? No, it's, it's, uh, it's bigger news. No, I don't know. Is it, yeah? That, that would be big news, but is it bigger news? I don't than know. That? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, hard to, hard to yeah. judge those things. It, it's something to do with a, a creative project. How about that? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it has to do with a book. I think we should leave it it before we start announcing it <laughs> prematurely. Anyway, it thank you. It is uh, cliffhanger. We hope to announce it soon. That's all I can say. Thanks, it's, everyone. It's, it's in contract stage. We're Thanks to, to see. those who stayed for yeah. the after party. That's great. Robert says marriage is crazy. Huh. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. That's right. If you do it right, that's true. But this is, this is actually having to do with a, a book project with a publisher. So we'll yeah. let you know when we do. Thank you, everyone. We're going to go ahead and hang up now, and we'll talk to you next, next week. Take Thanks, care. Everyone. Have a good weekend.